Welcome to the Spinner's Lit Pinball Podcast, episode 45. It's February 27th, 2022. Hey, it's me, Spencer, your host, and with us tonight, the roundtable. And want to welcome back Dan. Hey, what's up? Mark, our engineer. Hello. And back from a repair hiatus, our repair guru, Ryan. Hello. Hey guys, been almost a month, and uh, well, actually, it's only been two weeks since uh, we saw each other. Um, well, it's been a month since our last episode. Been a month since our last episode. Almost to the exact day. Oh, is it? Okay. I feel. Oh, I wow, feel like cool. the last weekend of the month is kind of turning into our uh, our spot. I think it is. You know, we're getting to the point where we kind of got a real cadence and a real flow going, which is good. And and then people come to expect like, okay, it's the end of the month. The guy should be kicking out a new episode shortly. So um, let's start off with Rush. Dan and I got to play Rush finally. And what did you think? Oh, man, it's great. I want one really bad. I'm a Rush fan anyway. And uh, we uh, we drove up the only one in Sacramento Valley when I, I was out for work. We found one at a bowling alley in uh, a little place called Pollock Pines. Um, which is, uh, oh, what, Dan's about 35, 45 minutes out of Sacramento, heading up Highway 50 through, uh, yeah, about an hour out of town. Okay. Um, and I even made notes on it. So, cause we got to give a shout out, but yeah, it's, um, Naughty Pines Lanes in Pollock Pines, California. Preston, shout out to Preston is the game tech there. Keeping I was the game hoping tech. you remembered his name because I forgot. I wrote it down. I put it in my notepad. I was a good boy. Hey, no, but I mean, they got a, they've got a Godzilla Pro. They've got a Star Wars uh, Pro, not Comic Edition, just the regular one. Not that it matters. Same game. And they have Rush. And they said they're going to get a fourth game and going to try to start getting some tournaments or leagues or something going. They got an outstanding, uh, you know, uh, assortment of video games and uh, all kinds of stuff up there. So. Um, yeah, you know, support your local location. But if uh, yeah, some reason a- you're in Pollock Pines, that is a place to stop. They've got everything there: batting cages, bowling, tons of arcade games, and a f- nice selection of brand new pinball machines. Yep. Good How stuff. close is it to uh, South Lake? Is it pretty close? No. It, well, uh, yeah, it- it's probably. I mean, it's not close, but like, if you happen to be driving up the 50 to get to Sacramento from South Lake, you're going to drive through Pollock Pines. Yeah. That's what hour and change. From yeah, Pollock I mean, Pines. It's definitely a cruise. It's not someplace you're going to probably do for fun, but if you just happen to be making that drive, uh, you know, cause you're coming up to see your, your bros in Sacramento or something, uh, just take the 50 instead of going down the 80 and, uh, you'll find it. Sounds cool. I have to check that out. Yeah. And you know, I, uh, getting back to rush itself. Um, I just like the way it shoots, man. It, it, people say, well, it's a lot like X-Men. It kind of is similar, but I think it just, like, he took his design on X-Men and just refined it and made it even, you know. The ramp shot's easy enough to make, that side ramp shot. It requires a little time and skill, but it's not difficult. I, it was a nice balance. I really, really liked the game really early in the code. But, um, you know, we're starting to kind of figure out, oh, if you hit the scoop, uh, you start a mode. And then, you know. We're, we're still trying to figure it out, but just like Shinit, I like Rush. I like the callouts. Um, the only issue, and they've already addressed it or in the process of fixing, it, is the scoop. 
that scoop protector they made, they really need to call Clippy and say, design scoops for every game, you know, protectors, and then we'll pay you for your design time, and then we'll have our own people manufacture. But they need to get Clippy on it because whoever's doing it is Stern. And what the heck, Stern? Are you guys even product testing? You're not. It shows. So great game, shitty protector. <laughs> okay, so because uh, – yeah. Preston actually was there and he opened up the game and helped us bend it back. And it was just, it had probably 200 plays on it. And that thing looked like somebody beat it with a hammer for hours. It was beat to shit. And by the end of the night, it was so crazy. Yeah. But I mean, you know, Dan and I were just having a blast, man. We played for what, Dan, an hour and a half, two hours. It it played really, really nice. And uh, honestly, it's not as brutal as X-Men or as board games usually seem to be. And therefore, we were able to rack up quite a few replays uh, because the high score was uh, pretty easy to beat. I think that Spencer ended up grand championing it after I grand championed it. So thanks, Spencer. Anytime. A few of those games, I feel like I would have won if the scoop hadn't uh, given me the uh, the big middle finger, though. Because the scoop that ends up getting disabled is super super important to the game it starts your multi balls it's your mystery shot um but yeah man shoots great i love that center shot with the magnet i like the fact that the magnet does a couple few different things it'll hold the ball and drop it it'll shoot the ball back kind of around uh and feed the upper flipper for a side shot and one time and i don't know if this was on purpose or on accident but it like shot the ball straight back at the flippers which I thought was really neat. And I was always waiting for it to do it again, but I didn't see it happen. Interesting. But yeah, yeah the, you, uh, were, you, you were in you a multi-ball right, happened, I think. Yeah, I played it um, when I was in Riverside uh, for Indus. They had two of them. Um, there was one uh, that was from Project Pinball. And then there was another one that was in the free play area. And, uh, what I really liked about it was the shot where you go around the loop and the ball, I don't know if there's something that slows it down, but it doesn't fly out of control when you go around that loop and then you can hit it and have more control over it than what we're used to like with turtles where it just flies by and you have like a, you know, one tenth of a second to figure out how to shoot it. But with this one, it it slows down. Is that a magnet or what is doing that? I'm not sure, but that upper flipper shot in that game is so brilliant because not only is it super controlled and super makeable and it has two different ways or two or three different ways to get fed, but then you have like what, four different shots? Because you have the scoop, you have the uh, orbit, you have the loop or you have the ramp and then you have that little stop sign thing where it just right. kind of goes up where there's going to be an up kicker, I guess, on your premiums or LEs. And so it just it was an upper shot with just a ton of variety. And it was a really satisfying shot. Like, I just love how that game shoots. Very smooth. Yeah, if very, you're a rush very fan, smooth gameplay. If you're a Rush fan, that that thing's a dream come true, man. Like, I just can't see how you wouldn't be excited about that game. I'm not a Rush fan, really. I don't hate Rush if they don't do a lot for me. The music was great. It really seemed to fit the modes. And uh, the art's good. You know, it didn't bother me at all. I think that the music and the art and the call-outs were actually uh, kind of goofy and fun. Yeah. I like the, I like the personal call-outs from the band members. That's a huge highlight of that game. 
I think so, too. And it also seems to be a game that if you have a concern about being family-friendly, I think that's one that you can have in the house and you're not going to worry about. That's true. Yeah, I feel like Canada's most famous rock band isn't about to start dropping the uh, the F-bombs like ACDC and Metallica. <laughs> Especially right. since you know they're done. What do you mean? Right. Rush is done. Oh, yeah. Well, they're not touring or making no, more done. music. They're yeah, they're right. They're done, done. But, it's not happening. But they did all their own stuff for the game. Like, oh, yeah. You yeah, know, well, they're not like retired. They're still Rush. They're just no longer going to make new music. Their drummer's dead. Yes, I got yeah. that, Ryan. Thanks for breaking that down. Okay. I'm just saying they did their own game <laughs> yeah. with the Bare Naked Ladies guy. Yeah, uh, but it was nice that like, you know, they're not like, oh, we're going to go reclusive. Like they came and they did their call outs and they're very like when you play the game, you'll see it's got it's got a ton of personality to it that I'm sure to a fan of the group is is like the nectar of the gods. Oh, for yeah, me, it's kind of yeah. for me, it's kind of like, you know, I love Metallica, like I love ACDC and Metallica. But I love Metallica a little bit more because all the guys from Metallica showed up to do their own call outs. And that really makes the game theirs. ACDC is just a Steve Ritchie game with ACDC music and a cannon. Yeah, and the rules are really good. I know Stern just came out with a rule sheet. Uh, have not had a chance to look at it yet. Uh, I'm going to have the opportunity to play a LE uh, next week at Jason's. He's getting it delivered. It was supposed to be delivered last week. And he had it all scheduled for people to come over and celebrate opening it. And uh, there was a delay, of course. Um, but it's going to be there. So it'll be interesting to see how that up kicker changes the game a little bit, uh, along with the ramp raising, if that is going to be an annoyance or if it's going to be something that's going to be fun to try to earn uh, to shoot up that that center ramp. Man, but, um, I'm excited. Like, I feel like that might almost ruin the game. It might. It might. We'll have to see. I I honestly, with I mean, I'm going to kind of jump ahead here. With all the furor over them announcing a Weird Al game, which is my jam, I really haven't been looking at much else uh, about the other games that are out right now. But I would be interested to go into the Rush groups and see what people think of the uh, the way that the premium shoots. Because I do feel like this might be one of those examples where the pro might almost shoot nicer. There's a possibility that, and I'll be a, a real good judge of that to play both. So we'll see what happens. I'm going to, I'm going to try to make it for that. Oh, are you? I, Great. now that it's not that specific night, I mean, maybe if it's Thursday again, I'll be screwed, but I'm going to yeah. try to, I'm going to try to shoot up there. I'll bring okay. Brian. For sure. That'd be great. I like the light show. Um, the, the rule set, like I said, I'm still learning. Um, but I do like that where you have to make the shots with the same colors and, helps with the multiplier and helps you get further in the game. Um, the There are a lot of multi-balls in it, but it kind of fits with the music, with that energetic music anyway. So um, I didn't really it, pick it looks up good. much of the rules. Yeah. So it sounds like you're ahead of me on that. What I kind of picked up was each of the songs that you choose has like some qualifier shots that you hit and then you start, then you can like start a multi-ball on it. And I'm not really sure what the multi-ball that we kept starting that sort of blew the game up was, but it had like owls and lightning and it kicked ass. Cool. Fly by night. Was it the one where it, where the play field slightly dims as you get progressed through the, uh, through the multi-ball? Fly by night definitely sounds familiar. Yeah. yeah Cause that would be with the owl. Yeah. 
had like a baby carriage like on a dock and there's like ah <laughs> yeah we got red bar cheddar multi-ball a couple of times and there was a couple other multi-balls that i can't remember now because man there was so much going on that week you know it was just you know work all day and then it was pinball all night which was great and in between that sleep and study for exams so um but it was a good time man so um, what were your yeah. thoughts on getting bored? Did you have a lot of left out lanes or actually in this case, it'd probably be right out lane, right? Cause there's two in or on the right side um, this time or not. I didn't feel like it was cheap at all. No. Yeah. That's how I felt too. I didn't feel like I was getting those cheap drains like we normally do on those it games. It felt so much less brutal than like Ninja Turtles. Yeah. And Ninja Turtles is kind of the only, I mean, the other recent Borg, right? Right. Yep. And that game is definitely brutal. It's it's kind of like he dialed it back and made it a little more user friendly because Ninja Turtles is so brutal. So brutal. <laughs> it's a great game. I just it's like good good lord, it's fast. It's really fast. Yeah, I feel like chances are that it wasn't intentionally dialed back. I just think that it's I think it's a refinement, you know. I think that Borg is obviously one of the premier designers in pinball. He's he's Definitely Stern's lead designer these days. Oh, I guess Elwin is, but he's definitely the elder statesman at Stern with Richie gone. Let's put it that way. And, uh, you know, his designs are, are they're very Borgy, right? They they're Borgy. Right. They feel like his, like when you play a John Borg game, you feel like it's a John Borg game, almost like a Lawler. And I think that this is, I think that he kind of, you know, might have recognized that he was falling into sort of a, a rut with the guardians and, and the, the monsters. And he tried something a little bit different with Ninja Turtles. And now he's trying something a little bit different with rush. And I mean, I know people say it reminds him of X-Men, but I always thought X-Men was, was a bit of a bastard. And this just feels like a really nice, smooth, smooth shooting game. I, uh, but it's, it's not easy. So I think it's a good one. Yeah. It's, it's right in the middle. Yeah, it's, well, it's, it just seems well balanced. And as the uh, rules progress, I think it's going to have long legs. What did you think of the artwork in person? Did you think it was, it looked a lot better than the pictures? It always does. I mean, yeah. it, it just, I think I since think, I think it's average. Right. See, you know, I haven't yeah. had to play the game, but I love the artwork because it just screams 70s when Rush, you know, kind of got started with like the, uh, the old like seventies van style airbrush on the side dragons, all that kind of stuff. I think it's awesome because I think rush, that's kind of what I think. Yeah. And, and the, uh, the band members in the middle of the play field didn't bother you at all. No, it's good to me. Yeah. yeah. See, it didn't bother me either. Cause I mean, it, if rush approves it, why would you complain? Right. I think the same thing goes for, I'm going back to Aerosmith here, but the artwork, you know, really catches the theme and like like Brian just said in the time frame on both those games, if you look at the art, it really captures the essence of the peak of the band when they were at their, you know, young and, and vital and all that cool stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like if you're a fan of the group, there's a lot there to like. And for me, not being a fan of the group, all I can say is like it didn't win me over like the art on Iron Maiden did. But it did. It doesn't offend me like the art on ACDC does. 
Oh, that I totally agree with. The art is a hundred times better than ACDC. Yeah, ACDC. There, no is, question. Yeah, ACDC. I mean, it really isn't the ugliest game ever made. Uh, but I just I feel like it was a game that should have been much, much cooler looking than it was. It's a terrible example of Stern's art in like 2012. Yep, exactly. And it was kind of the last of it too, right? Uh, I don't know. It, well, it was like Star the, Trek, right? No, Star Trek, was that after? That was after ACDC, Yeah, right? the good art days really sort of, you know, they didn't come until probably like Ghostbusters and then they were just can't miss, can't yes. miss, can't miss. Yeah, Ghostbusters is where, it, yeah, that's where it all changed. You know, well, Metallica, I, I, think, I, think, I, I think, think where Metallica, it began. Yeah. Metallica, no, Metallica too. Yeah, that was good too. Yeah. But you got that one, two, three punch of when they had uh, Franchi, uh, Dirty Donnie, and uh, Zombie Yeti all together, two of which will no longer work for Stern. So, you know, Zombie now, Yeti and whoever else they have doing their art packages. But it seems like their art direction right now, they've definitely decided it's hand-drawn, it's custom art. You know, they're not going to go to the, uh, they're not going to go to the Photoshop. Well, hopefully. Right. Thank God. <laughs> Hand-drawn arts where it's at, man. You know, when you look at pinball machines and you, you know, and the newer stuff, and then you go back to the, you know, from the, from the beginning of the pinball up through, um, you know, the eighties and even early nineties, man, where you look at, you know, original unlicensed themes and hand-drawn art or even a licensed theme and hand-drawn art and go, oh my God, the art on this is amazing, you know? Yeah. Where you just stand there and stare at the game for half an hour and you don't even turn and, you know, play it. You just want to sit there and look at it, you know? So. So Spencer, what else did you do while you were here? I, I studied a lot and I passed a lot of exams and, um, oh, and hey, I, I got to be a guest at League Night and, uh. In Lodi League, and I got to uh, see some new faces, and they're like, "Who the hell is this guy?" And uh, uh, a lot of old faces, a lot of old friends, and play some pinball and have a really good time. We got to go to uh, League Night at Henry's. Big shout out to Henry and Michelle for hosting and letting me come by. That was a lot of fun. Really enjoyed that. Miss League a lot. I was uh, happy to be a guest there too at Henry's, and it was awesome little barbecue beforehand that was great and then uh, yeah man henry playing chicken. in the league as a guest that was awesome henry was chicken's fun. his own food group it really is man i mean yep. yeah henry is definitely the, the host with the most man his his league nights are fantastic great games great food absolutely fantastic uh facility to have it in he's got a great game room he's got a great backyard for entertaining yep. and uh, everybody in the group was ecstatic to have Spencer back their uh, league is always fun. And we're always, we're always family there, but it's a little bit different, not having Spencer there even still. Yep. And he's yep. been gone for a while. Cause he sucks. Yeah. Well, you know, it's like, I gotta, go, I gotta, I gotta come home to free America where there's not a lot of pinball, but there's a lot of just calm and relaxing and quiet and, and really, really it got really cold, like really cold. Like we had almost a whole week where it never got uh, above zero. So yeah. um, where it was so cold out, I went outside and uh, Rusty's down on the porch digging it and I go to breathe and I'm like, this doesn't feel very good. I'm going back inside. <laughs> yeah. Because it it's was that so heavy cold. air that like yeah, really it was, freezes it, your okay. lungs. Yeah. And then we're at 5,100 feet above sea level. Well, one and of then, these days when, you, when we find you frozen like Nicholson at the end of The Shining, you'll remember that I told you so. 
It was like, it was like, it was literally like 12 below zero. It was great. And now like today it was like almost 50 and it's like, this is it. It's supposed to be like, you know, in a week or two, it's supposed to be in the sixties, like high fifties, low sixties, like, Oh, all right. You know, so, you know, spring is coming. So, um, yeah, man, uh, league night's always fun getting to see everybody. And, uh, there's a few people there that I had not seen since I left in June and, uh, or before, man, it was great to see everybody play pinball and just have a good time. Um, I, it was a whirlwind, man. That whole week I was there and like whatever, six days. How about um, another road trip? How about another road trip? So, um, yeah, man. Um, uh, we went to Reno, uh, Dan and I went up to Reno on Sunday, my last day there. And, uh, cause I flew home, uh, early, early Monday morning. Um, and we met with Mark and we met at a private collector who wishes to remain anonymous. Um, but really cool people. Uh, and some of the people in the Reno group that Mark plays pinball with, and we got to play in Isle Moon, which is only what, six in the world and three of them are in America or something? That's right. Yeah, I think it was like two or three. Two in, in America. Two yeah. in America. And there's like, six total. Like Neo Skywalker has one and then this cat has one. Really yep. fun game, man. Um, really, I, I love those weird Spanish games. Um, they came up, the, the, like, especially the, the you know, uh, the, late, the later Solid State and then the early Dot Matrix. Um, they, they came up with some really unique, fun ideas. That game has pretty good flow, has some great ramp shots. The music was cool. I mean, I'm sorry, you know, they never got off the ground better, but really neat, interesting, unique game. And it was really, you know, a pleasure to, you know, enjoy to get to experience that. So, you know who you are. I hope you're listening. Um, thank you, man. It was your kindness to open up your uh, private collection to us and let us uh, play and show us around. I really do appreciate that. Pinball people are just so awesome. I got to admit, I was a little cynical about IO Moon when I first looked at it because it looks cheesy. And, you know, when the first advice that you get is, yeah, don't don't touch the game next to it at the same time. You're gonna <laughs> yeah. get back. Like, that's a little sketchy. But you know what? You know, once you start that game up and, and you start shooting, it shot really nice. It had some fun shots and uh, the quasi 2001 theme just worked super, super well. And it had a really cool, like, I think that Spencer said it right, that that Spanish game, Zacharia, whatever they were, sort of personality or uh, Sonic, like the Sonic games. It had that personality that like a European game does, which feels slightly different than your Chicago made, you know, Williams and, and Bally and all those. So, I mean, it was it was a really, really cool experience. And, you know, it's always fun to play something that's one of a kind. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it what's is. really cool. It, like you said, the shots are really fun uh, to make. And uh, I think what makes it so unique is everything on the display is Spanish. Yeah. So it re you really get the feel of a, of a foreign game. <laughs> if, if you've ever played, I think it's spin spinball or something. And they made Jolly Park and they made a few other games. The early dot matrix era, uh, you know, early nineties. And they had that same kind of similar feel and they had some really unique, features and shots, but they all have really, but especially the Spanish games seem to really have some good flow, you know, just out of the gate. Yeah. Um, and uh, we got to play some linked NBA fast break. Which yeah. Is and I'd never played those fun. before. So fun. Oh, hell yeah. 
Yeah, it's the first time I'd ever played uh, the the linked uh, NBA fast break. Thank you for bringing that up. I actually forgot about that. Like I said, it was a whirlwind week, so it's had a lot going on. Um, that was just a kick ass time, man. I always feel like that head to head link is an idea that it's just like, why hasn't Stern come back around to that? You know, it's or or P three or somebody like. That is such a fun thing to do. Yeah, and, head-to-head uh, is really fun, for sure. Does, yeah, it doesn't seem like, you know, it's going to take that much extra programming to put in a mode where it's like yeah, like a battle mode. And, you know, you know, these days the games are all running off of, of uh, Ethernet anyway. So, you know, have an Ethernet adapter that you run between the games. I mean, I'm sure it was much more complicated in the 90s when Williams did it. Well, it's like, you know, where they had the Stern's heads up invitation, I'll remember. And uh, it was just recently with uh, Elvira, House of Horrors. <laughs> Imagine if you could link the games up and you could like try to get fastest to the mode, you know, or whatever. And then you could determine a winner that way with games that are linked. Right. They could probably do it with Insider Connected if they figured it out. Oh, no way. The latency would be. Oh, you think so? Oh, yeah. I mean, come on. I mean, it just. It it's so much, you know, there's so much going on so fast, like trying to do that over the internet. I feel like that would be kind of a nightmare. P3 yeah. has kind of a mode like that. Like you can uh-huh. play cosmic cart racing against other people. Like I watched a stream of that with the Buffalo pinball guys like a couple years ago and it looked super neat, but I mean, I don't think it, it would be quite as, as frenetic as, uh, you know, playing those, the, you know, cause it's a timed game for one thing. And, you know, you're, you're trying to get points and, you know, make shots and combos and there's there's multi balls and that back box mode. And just it's really, really genius. And we kind of did like a ghetto version of that over at Shannon's with the link to the battle Metallica setup. And that's fine until somebody really gets dialed in on that fuel shot and they just, you know, kick your ass in three flips. <laughs> you know, it's just one of those things where it's like, you know, this is a little bit more more fleshed out. And I feel like some of the games that we have out right now would lend themselves really, really well to like head to head competition. Yeah. It would be neat if they brought it back. I would love to see it. Yeah. And then we headed over to press start. Yeah, we did. And and what did you think of press start? Uh, Well, you know, you've been after me for like three years to get up there. We finally made it. It's great. No, it's, you know what, what I was most impressed with, um, I mean, you got all the video games, the classics, some of the newer stuff. Um, the bar was nice. It was nice that the bar was separated from the arcade, which was a really great idea. Um, so kids just want to go play games. They can play games. The pinball area was fantastic. And what I liked most is not just the selection of games, but the the quality. They were all very, very well maintained. You see in a lot of places these days with a nice selection of games, but not always kept up really well. And, uh, you know, everything I played now was kept up. I mean, it, you know, and, and, I, and, and my, my measuring stick for this, if anybody has a twilight zone on location, those things never work right. Okay. And at home. Yes. Cause I don't get, you know, play with as much and the twilight zone there. It was clean. It was working properly. It was dialed in. It shot nice. I mean, you know, and that's a hard game to keep running on location. Yep, and you can definitely uh, thank Kevin Woods and Jim Martin for keeping those games working at all times. 
Uh, it's, rare. Those guys. It, it's rare that there's a game out of order. And if it is, and it's unfixable at the time, they'll substitute with another game. We've done that already like three times because the nice thing is they have a spot where they can keep all the games uh, that they repair and then just have a stock of some games that they can just replace the ones that they pull out. So, uh, that's the case right now. We just actually, uh, are, are getting, uh, actually we have an Electra that just got put in there. Um, cause the Batman no boards went out. Uh, Uh-oh. so we replaced it with the, uh, with Electra. And, uh, once Batman comes back, it might replace mystic for a little while. And that's what they do. They rotate the games in and out and it, uh, gives a variety of different games to play. And, uh, it's a lot of fun and it's perfect for tournaments cause we don't all play modern stern games we play a variety of games of all different eras which is really nice yeah man um yeah i wish i i wish uh <laughs> i really really like electra and you don't see those hardly ever anymore uh, i wish it would have been there when i was there but that's okay because we got to play i you know i got to play a lot of cool stuff um and we got to play the cactus canyon reissue and uh you know i i've always liked the game I've always liked Cactus Can. I got I got a soft spot in my heart for Western theme pins. Uh, goes back to my days, you know, as a kid playing the old Gottlieb EMs, and there were so many cool Western themes, you know, uh, Sheriff or Lawman and Fast Draw, also Quick Draw. Um, oh gosh, uh, uh, El Dorado. I mean, you know, the list goes on and on and on, but. Um, so I got a soft spot in my heart for that. And it's a fun game and I enjoyed it. You know, I enjoyed the standard Cactus Canyon. I enjoyed Cactus Canyon continued. Um, and I was like, okay, yeah, they're going to do it. That's going to be cool. So nice people are going to have it. But wow, they really did a nice job on it. They did. Um, it shoots very yeah. similar to the original. And uh, the the way that they integrated the the larger LCD screen is superb with the dot matrix animation. Yeah. Yeah, and and uh, you know uh, they improved the light show um, without being too much because you can be too you can go too far with lights you can um, especially with the new technology um, and and it was really nicely integrated um, the topper integrated with the the gunpipe mode that is really cool I mean at first I was like okay that's gonna be cool but oh holy crap man that's really cool and it played great you know we had a good time dan killed it on that thing yeah his uh high score is still on there <laughs> his gc nice. i think dan you got gc on that didn't you i don't think so i think i was like third or fourth somebody oh, had right. just really took the boost of that game yeah ted blew it, it, was up. A, it was a hell of a game and i i beat high noon and i beat all the barks and i i think i experienced what that game has to offer and uh, it's nice. It's definitely a more fleshed out version of the original. Uh, you know, I've, I've been fiddling around with Cactus Canyon Continued, you know, in the last week or so and just sort of getting reacquainted with that. And it's definitely, you know, it's funny when you play Cactus Canyon Remake and then you play Cactus Canyon Continued. There's a lot more content in Cactus Canyon Continued. But you you become much more cognizant that that is a fan project, and it's oh, got some rough edges, and it's got some interesting stuff going on. Um, just because you know it was it was a thing that a guy built because he really liked Cactus Canyon and wanted there to be more of it. But it's uh, you know the remake is is a beautiful package, and it's really really cool that I think what were, what were they saying? There's like one of them on location, and that's it. 
Pretty much. I mean, I, they're still, I think they're starting to get on location in some places, but uh, that was one of the first. And um, just like the other Chicago gaming company games that are on location here in Reno, they're all prototypes from Rick's uh, that he got from directly from Chicago gaming. So um, yeah, we get to play the prototypes, which is pretty neat. And they've, Held up really well. Uh, the Attack from Mars is really good. Uh, they had the Monster Bash there and now Cactus Canyon. So um, yeah, they have the Medieval. And Medieval too. Yeah. And I yeah, made they, sure to play all of them and they all played beautifully. Yeah, they yeah, played they great. All, they all look perfect. Yeah, Medieval yeah. played amazing. I, got to, I, I haven't played that for a while and I was like, whoa, Kevin did something to the flippers because they weren't that strong before. So I don't know if he rebuilt them or what, but. Man, it's shot good. Adam's family that played really well. I played their Adam's family. That's another one because that game gets so played so much, especially by casual players that go, Oh, I know Adam's family. I'll play that. Most of them are just blown out. And that one was smooth, you know, had plenty of power in the flippers. Everything was working properly. It was, you know, it was dialed in and it played great. It was a pleasure to put money in. And all the games are 50 cents a play. Every game is 50 cents. Every game is 50 cents a play. That blew me away when when he announced that. And I was like, really? You're going to put them at 50 cents? Even Guns N' Roses and the newer games is like, yep, all 50 cents. I'm like, yes. For the listener, if you ever find yourself in Reno, Nevada, man, um, get over to Press Start. That is a fantastic location. You guys, I mean, you guys in Reno, man, you should be really, really proud. Protect that at all costs, because that is a fantastic place to go and play pinball. And what's wonderful about that, too, is we just started up tournaments again on Tuesday night. The first one we had, we had 22 people. The second one we had, we had 24. It keeps growing. Uh, and we nice. and it got a little crowded with, 20, with more than 24, but we might up it a little bit. Uh, I got to talk to Jim and see what he wants to do. But um, yeah, it... it it was really awesome to see how many people showed up and just had a great time. Yeah. I feel like those tournaments are probably just badass. And I mean, it's just, it seems like it's such a great venue for that kind of thing. And there's so many great machines. I mean, where else do you see a bonsai run on location? Exactly. You know, in, in addition to just this new stuff, you know, you got the new guns and roses, you know, and then you have the old standards, right? You have the Adams families and whatnot. Where else do you go that you see a Twilight Zone? Where else do you go to see the Guns N' Roses? Do you see these classics like old Chicago? I mean, it's a really great blend. You got the newest Sterns. You got the, you know, you got the remakes. You got the, you got the old school stuff. And then if, if pinball's not your jam, they got a ton of arcade games. If even arcade games aren't your jam, they got console games. They, they, they got a VR setup. It's a really cool place to go. And I mean, the people of Reno are ridiculously fortunate to have such a cool venue. We've got some great places here in Sacramento, uh, but nothing quite as cool as Press Start. Yeah, it's an awesome place. And it's so great to bring back tournaments again after pretty much a two-year hiatus. So it's wonderful. Yeah, it is yeah. fantastic that they came back from the dead, too. But this is way better than their old spot. Like it is head and shoulder superior for sure. Nope. I'm glad we finally got to make it. It was so awesome that Spencer, you made it and you made time out of your trip to come down, uh, and, uh, get to see the private oh, collection so and, did, and also get to go to press start. And, and we had a good long day to play pinball. It was fun. 
it was exhausting, but I wouldn't miss it for the world now. I'm so glad we finally got to get up there and and jam and play pinball and meet some of the other collectors in uh, your area. It was great. All just wonderful people. It was great, man. I'm, yeah, I'm sorry I didn't do folks, it sooner. The Reno crew is so cool. Yeah. Yeah, like, you got a good, good good group up there, man, a good community. You guys have a lot to be proud of up there. You guys have a really good a really good community. You know, you guys got some some high-end collectors. You guys got some some one game wonders like yourself. Like there's just some really really good stuff going on. I'm disappointed we didn't get to Mark's house to play Hot Wheels. Yeah, yeah. I was bummed what too. What were we even thinking? Yeah, that's all right. You got to see press start, but next time for sure. The majesty of Hot Wheels. <laughs> I still love that game. I'll tell you, I love that game. It's fantastic. It's a great game. And every time it has that, that I probably cannot play just one game. It's usually like 10, 20 games easily when I just want to play just a little bit because it just constantly wants me to hit the start button to there's, do something there's else. more people looking for them right now than there are people selling them. And right now that I've been looking, I kind of look today, I haven't found any new in box for sale right now. You know so, what? It was interesting when I decided to go with Zach to get it delivered instead of going through another distributor, if I would have made that decision not to go with what Zach had in stock, which was just one left, I would still not be getting my game to this day. So I'm, yeah. I'm glad I went with Zach many. I know it's a little off the subject, but I heard that American is gearing up to build more Houdinis in Oktoberfest too. It sounds like they're not going to let their other games, you know, just fade away into the night, which is awesome because I do think those are both underrated machines and I hope that they can get them out there at a, at a uh, competitive price point. Yeah, I agree. What they did with Hot Wheels, that was the best deal I got. When I look at all the prices now, very happy with what I paid for. Oh, yeah. yeah for under a Stern Pro, you can't beat that. Can't beat it. And, 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 and the game, like you said, it's got that one more game quality. Everybody knows the theme. It's universally known. You know, I mean from you know four to you know 80 oh hot wheels yeah i know what those are cool and and it just it, it checks all the boxes of just a good fun pinball machine. and it's hard to beat i can't beat it i st- the funny thing about it is i can't get past two battle modes usually i get maybe two done and i can never get to uh draven to the uh mini wizard mode for that for that particular uh battle of progress i guess you could call it i i I always forget there's like a whole lore to that game because it's based off of like a Hot Wheels cartoon. Yeah, yeah it is. I was like, who the hell is Draven? Yeah, Draven is like the, the master villain. <laughs> it's great. I'm very happy with it. And yeah, I am bummed that you guys couldn't come over, but you know, we, we were limited you know on time and that's okay. We, we do. We went to two locations and we got a lot yeah, of pinball. There's a in. lot of pinball at both locations to play that would take a lot of time so that that's understandable well, I, I was just teasing because i knew we needed to fill some time and i'm like if i can get mark mark talking about hot wheels oh that's I'll, 10 minutes right there I'll, I'll ask you <laughs> i'm done i <laughs> finally played uh uh stranger things le and i liked it um you know but again of course it was working properly so uh that the projector is really nice it looks really good it really adds to the game. I got the upside down to what the UV kit and it looked pretty cool. Um, 
So yeah, down the road, maybe I'll play a pro that's working right and like it too. I still think uh, everybody, well, you know, it's just like Attack from Mars. No, Attack from Mars is a, a just, no, it you shoots cannot different. argue, it's an undisputed classic. Yeah. It, is, it is absolutely an homage to Attack from Mars. It doesn't shoot exactly the same. No, it but, doesn't. Uh, you know, it's, Eddie admitted it, you know, you can't look at some of the video display without thinking, you know, they were definitely thinking Attack from Mars when they made this game. Well, and I love fine. the show. You know, huh? I love the show. Uh, you know, Stranger Things, the TV show, watch it with the boys. Love the show, but at the same time, it's, it's an okay game. I don't hate it as much, but give me an attack from Mars all day, any day. And what's interesting about it too is that the Stranger Things from the stern, obviously, there's no humor in it, it's all serious and horror, which is fine if that's what they want to go with. But it's very right. rare that you have games besides maybe Halloween that has a horror theme with no humor in it. And I thought that was interesting because there's a lot of humor in Stranger maybe, Things. Maybe that's why I don't care for it as much. That's probably why. Because it's like so serious. That's why I love Rush so much because it's like, Getty, when you when you get a, a tilt warning, Getty, they're shaking the game. I feel like there's some kind of goofy call outs and there's definitely some goofy display animations, like where the pinball whacks the Demogorgon in the head. And and the bullshit like, one is great. That bullshit yeah, mode like is hilarious. It's not too serious. It probably could have embraced a little bit more of the the 80s nostalgia, you know, but it's not bad. Like, I, I think a it's a fine game. game. I, think I just always thought game. it was funny how bad Spencer would, would piss on it, even though he'd only played one non-working example. Yeah, well, now you got a chance to play it. and Because we were out with the gang. It and we got admit, really good that upside down mode is dope. It is dope. It is, it is dope. Like with, the, yeah. with the lights and, and oh, you know, it, it, that, that game really should have been standard, even on a pro. We had we had a perfect night going. Nostalgia was flowing in the air. No, we, we get it, Spencer. Okay. Let they, it go. You played a good one, man. You played a good one. She knows once I get started on something, I will not, dude, I will hang on to that shit through a hurricane. I will not you, let it go. You don't say. <laughs> yeah, you noticed that, did you? I don't know. If I played a game and I was excited about it and it broke like after two plays, I would probably be not forgetting about that moment too. Because <laughs> my favorite part is where Kendra went up and I'm like, hold on, Kendra. Yeah. And the 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 lock, the little the little up uh post, yeah. the little up post was it completely come out. It was laying on it the ramp. I'm like, out. Yeah, it just flew out. I'm like, I don't think you want to shoot that ball, honey. It's gonna jam up. <laughs> Let's turn this off now. Yeah. yeah. It's like, wow. Just wow. Like, wow, that was made in China, wasn't it? Anyway. Uh, but yeah, it's, you know, I get a little bit more time on it, man. Um, you know, and it's, uh, it's not a bad little game, but, um, so we're, uh, we're through our Reno visit pretty much, but you're going to tell us about Indisc. All right. So Indesk, uh, it was in Riverside, California, and uh, it was over at the convention center, really close to our hotel. So it was very convenient. It was definitely the big hitters. Everybody there were pros. This was not a show where you just go and play casual pinball. This was the big leagues. And it was an honor to see so many players, so many good players uh, blowing up these games that I couldn't get maybe 20 seconds off. <laughs> you really have to have good nudging skills and uh, definitely looking ahead of your shot before it even gets to your flipper 
to make those shots the way they were set up. The games are brutally difficult. Now the tilts were not that tight, which I was shocked. I thought for sure, like you breathe on it, it would tilt. You could shake those games like crazy. And the tilt bobs were actually pretty generous. Um, but the outlanes, on the other hand, they made them as wide as they could be. And some of the classic games had the posts drilled in so it could have even a wider gap on the outlanes, which was ridiculous. But it was really interesting to see how well these people played. I mean, we're talking, you know, Keith Elwin and Sexton and Ray Day and all these guys, they knew how to play. Now, the first night that I had, which was Thursday night, they are actually sorry, got in Wednesday night. But on Thursday, we had the match play tournament and that was super fun. It was a target match play up to 30 points and they used the three, two, one, zero scoring for that. And it was pretty awesome because it lasted 16 rounds. So we're talking 16 different pinball machines I played throughout uh, in a four person group, mostly a couple of times I had three person, but mostly it was four and it was all classics. So like the, the newest game that was there out of all of them was like party animals and Genesis and the rest were all EMs and solid states, but they were so tough especially the one that really bit me was strikes and spares, which messed up my whole ranking, which of course was the last group. Um, but I did really well. Um, I was very happy. I ended up in 24th and there were a hundred players, 120 that were in the match play tournament. And it was awesome because you got to meet so many different people and it was nice because it was a Swiss pairing so if you were playing with a bunch of people and they just killed you, but other people had kind of the same record as you, you started getting paired up with those people. And with that large of a group of people, it turned out really nice that you uh, were paired up with people that were kind of your same level. But then, of course, once you got past that and you did really good, then uh, it definitely uh, increased the challenge. Let's put it that way, because then you're... You're with people from Seattle and Chicago, actually not many from Chicago, but from like the LA, uh, Portland, uh, all these people that play like practically on a daily basis. And, uh, it was challenging and very competitive, but fun. It was a, it was a great, great format. It started at noon and it didn't get done till about 10 o'clock at night. So it was literally 10 hours straight. There was one hour break for, uh, dinner, but Hey, I was happy. 24th place out of the best players in the world definitely was huge points for the Whopper points. Um, so I watched a really ton helped. of the stream. And yeah, man, 24th and that like ocean of killers is super respectable, dude. Yeah, man. Be proud of that. Everybody there was a badass. Yeah, it was it was definitely uh a wake up call to see how many good players there were. Uh, I didn't realize how good Tom Graff is until I saw him playing, man, he was good on those classics and, and they just knew all the rules. And it was interesting because I didn't bother asking and I'm kind of kick myself that I didn't talk to people and just say, Hey, what do you do on this game? Cause I thought they were just going to keep it a secret and they're all talking and they're not at all trying to hide anything from the players. They're like, Oh no, this is what you need to do. Just 
shoot these targets and then shoot the spinner all day or um, try to get five times bonus or, or whatever. Um, but it was great. They had a huge selection of the of the uh, um, of the classic games and uh, it, it was run really smoothly. Props to uh, Carl. Carl D'Angelo. He ran that tournament like a tight ship. It was it was just as good as Pinburg. It was very organized and uh, super fun. My first half, I failed miserably. I can't. I maybe had one or two points on each one, and then I was like, "I got to bring this." And in the afternoon after lunch, I started winning three of them in a row. I had three points, uh, and then the last one killed me because if I wouldn't have screwed up on strikes and spares, getting a zero, I would have probably ended up in sixth place. Wow. But strikes and spares gave me a gutter ball. And it screwed me. Hey, but it's all right. It was fun. It was fun. Cool. No, man. You you know you, you're very respectable showing, man. So not, yeah, you, it was it was great. Um, then there was the uh, the format, which was the open card format. Not a fun format. Very difficult. Basically, you have to play five of your best games all on one card. If you screw up one game, you pretty much throw your card away and start over. I. Didn't want to spend so much money on cards because I knew that I wouldn't have a chance at all uh, in the A division, <laughs> let alone the B division. Um, so I just kind of played a couple of them, but I just, they were so brutally difficult the way they were set up. And these were a mixture of modern games and also um, uh, some solid state games and no EMs. Um, but they were some interesting ones like Mystery Castle, which I've never played before, except over at the uh, Museum of Pinball. And uh, there were some other obscure ones. I was surprised there was a uh, uh, Stargate and uh, a very interesting collection of games in the open. Um, but I didn't do so well. Um, they had uh, basically, I would say, uh, probably ended up like in... <laughs> I don't know, like in the hundreds and, and there was like about 250, 300 players that were a total of players for the, for the open. Um, so I did not qualify. Um, and I just need to be more consistent. It doesn't have to be the best game for every game. It just has to be good, solid games consistently with five that you play on your card. And it's not easy to do. It's brutal. It's a brutal format. They also had a card system for the classics. They had a classic one. They had a classics two. And I did pretty good, but I didn't get into any of the playoffs or any of the finals or anything like that. Um, but that was four of your best games on a card. And I felt I had a little better chance because I didn't have to worry about knowing so many complex rules like some of the uh, uh, games like um, Teradles was in there and also Godzilla. Um, of course they take the rubbers off the posts and everything and, uh, make it brutally hard and a drain monster. Um, but the tilts, they were not that tight. Uh, the cool thing is my friend Ted McGinty played outstanding right at the end. He had a good card and he got into the B division. He made it all the way to the finals. And then he lost uh, in the last round in the finals and ended up in fourth place. However, he played a game of Dirty Harry and there was a situation where before you plunge the ball, you can have a choice of a skill shot. And when he walked up to the game, 
the skill shot, it didn't give him a choice and he could only just launch the ball. This happened twice. It happened the first time and then happened a third time, which messed up his his mentality because he's like, wait, what's going on here? And he was trying to uh, talk to Carl and say, hey, you know, this is not right. It's, it's like, well, it's a minor malfunction and that's the rules. So he had to play it as it is. But he missed like a 60 million shot on that on that uh, ramp where you have that choice in Dirty Harry where you can try to shoot for the ramp for the skill shot. And he made it, but he didn't have the choice to make that skill shot. So he was short like, I don't know, 30 or 40 million points. Then that kind of messed up his, his uh, thinking. And he was like, oh man, this really sucks. And he kind of lost his concentration and... Uh, then he didn't, he didn't win the finals, but he was so close and I was cheering him on and, uh, he did a really great job and, uh, pretty awesome to have somebody from Reno come back with a fourth place plaque in B division. So that was a huge celebration. And, uh, there's also a great place that was close to the convention center where they had a place called game lab, which had some, a great collection of a variety of games. And uh, that was a lot of fun where, of course, you can't have enough pinball. So after the tournament, we went over there and played more pinball at Game Lab. Um, the free play area over at, it was pretty weak. There was maybe 15 games that were on free play. There was a rush that we got to play. So I got to play a lot of that. Uh, but there were just, uh, it was definitely not a pinball show. It was a competition tournament strictly for pros. It was a pro tournament. But it was a great time. I'll definitely do it again. And uh, I really enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun. And uh, I hope some people from Sacramento can get down there next time. And because the points are awesome. I mean, heck, I still got like three points and I still was like 120th <laughs> in trying to qualify for the Open because the points are ridiculous because you got the best players. So the Whopper points are off the chart, which made me from 2000. I think it was like 3,800. I was originally ranked and got me in the, I think 1,800 now. So yeah, those, those big did a tournaments better, are big points. Big points. You know what? Kind yeah. of going back to the thing with uh, Dirty Harry and, and your friend Ted, you know, you're in the finals. You're at the end of the night. You guys have been playing for like a 10 hour session, maybe even longer. Correct. And, uh, you know, that doesn't just have an effect on the people. That has a big effect on the games, too. You know, like very those true. games got the hell beat out of them all day. And that Dirty Harry definitely seemed to be a little fiddly in some of the games I saw on the stream. I know that that I know the gun wasn't working super well. So you noticed it, too, didn't oh, for you? Sure. Yeah. You're, I mean, uh-huh. you know, and I mean, it wasn't just Ted who who caught it in the face. There were a few players who did. But yeah, he caught it definitely during a clutch time. Where he kind of yes, caught it did. when it meant the most, unfortunately. That was just that was just a really bad draw. But you know, congratulations to him. I think we had a local guy, Damien, actually got into one of the five Damien was there. Yes, of yeah. course. Yes, Damien. He got, he got uh-huh. like into the, the playoffs as well, but he got he got shut down pretty quick. <laughs> he did. But it was great to see him. Um, but yeah, so uh Bob Matthews, that's what I was trying to remember. Yeah, Bob Matthews and uh Carl. They did a great job running the tournament and his setup. Holy cow. With with his streaming setup, it's like a professional studio. Amazing 
foot or amazing coverage of the whole tournament on Twitch. It was awesome. But if anyone gets a chance, if you want to play competitive pinball with the best in the world, Indisc is the place to go. A lot of fun, a lot of pinball, and uh, match play is my favorite. And honestly speaking, I don't. If I couldn't get tickets for match play, I don't know if I would go because I really don't like the card system. It's too brutal for me. Yeah, it's definitely one for the pros. You know, if you're an Escher Laftkoff, yeah, you know that sounds like a good. That sounds like a good equation. Yep. Uh, the other thing, uh, when we got there, we also had a chance to go to um, the uh, auction, uh, the Pirates Auction Warehouse in Anaheim. So, yeah, we got there on Wednesday night and uh, we got to play in a uh, match play tournament there. And that was a lot of fun. And some really good players there. Good points. Um, one was from Italy. Uh, another one uh, was from, I think, Sweden, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I know, I know who you're talking world. about. He was good. But anyway, he was really nice and uh, it was a lot of fun to see them in like the pre-tournament. And that was on Wednesday night when we just got there. We drove pretty much 10 hours and I'm like, yeah, let's go to this tournament and check it out. And we already had a plan. I'm like, well, I don't know if we should buy the tickets yet uh, unless we actually get there on time. But then they took us in and we had like 45 players. So it was fun. Did you observe? What a cool place. Did you observe that it seems to be kind of a changing of the guard? It seemed like a lot of young guys were were kicking ass. Didn't the kid who win yep. wasn't he sixteen or seventeen? Yeah, there's a there was a lot of young folks there. Yep, um, one guy, uh, I think he's probably in his twenties, but his name's Walt, no, Walt, and he Walt was great. He's awesome. He was just coolest guy, and uh, definitely has a personality playing pinball. Like, I don't know how he makes the shots, but he literally takes his hands off the flippers uh, when he shoots for those uh, for those shots and uh, literally does a, a, a unique dance, uh, very much like uh, some f- famous pinball players we've we known, like uh, Lyman and uh, um, Rick Stetta. Those guys uh, definitely has got a great personality and uh, he's fun to watch. Were, I took a video of him. for that game where he nailed like 110 loops on Doctor Who? In person, and, and yeah, he did insane. like a he insane. did like a little like a little hip like a little hip bump after every single one, and it was just so yes. consistent. I mean, maybe that was part of his timing, but yeah, we we had a really we were watching the stream at that time. We had a really good time watching him play, and we were really pulling from to pull it off. And it was super impressive that even when he didn't win, he got knocked out by I think the kid who went on to win. Uh, God, I forgot his name, but you know, we were calling him Zach McCracken. Um, yeah, and yep, he ran Zach, up and yep. he gave him a big hug and just like, it was, it was just a super awesome, uh, moment. And yeah, it was, it was a really exciting, uh, event. And it, I mean, I bet it would have been just a blast to be there. I'm really, I'm really, really, uh, happy that you guys made it and that you had uh, such a good run. It was wonderful. And the, uh, the thing cool about Walt is he is a guitarist. So you, if you watched him closely on that, that, that loop on, uh, that loop ramp shot, he had a rhythm going and I was watching, I was like, Oh my gosh, he's like, right. Like a time meter. Boom. Yeah. It's like perfect. It was such a consistent movement and he did yeah. it every single time. And like I said, it was like part of his timing. We were joking that like when that guy, when that guy played pinball, he made Alex look like a statue. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's what I was thinking too. I was like, Alex would, uh, yeah, he's mellow compared to Walt, but 
cool guys. Just everybody's cool. I got to talk to Keith. By the way, for the record, uh, I asked him, I said, I know this is a stupid question, but I'm going to ask you because you're here in person. When you designed the Mechagodzilla, did you intentionally have it where if you hit off the arm, it would go into the habit trail? And he said, no, it was by accident. And he's like, well, we kept it in. That's why I had the arm straight and we just left it. But he did not intentionally design it to to go off there, which we probably already assumed. Um, But I heard it from him directly that, uh, no, it was an accident and it was a happy accident. Happy accident. Like, oh, cool. Happy accident. Yep. Anyway, great guy. I mean, I couldn't believe I could have a conversation with him, you know, while he's in playing. And that's the funny thing, too. You think, you know, when you see and you watch the stream, everybody seems like so intense. But then when they're off to the side, there's chatting and talking, you know, in between their rounds and stuff like that. Or, or even between um, their turns playing the game. Um, so great atmosphere, great people, best players. And uh, wow, intense. but. Awesome well, time. I just want to let you know, Mark, we're very disappointed with you and that next year we expect you to bring the trophy home to the spinner as lit. Bring home the gold, yes, baby. I know. Now you did great, man. I got to do it next yeah, time. Yeah, hell no. <laughs> <laughs> if I get in the B division, I'll be happy. But hey, uh, I just could not um, could not get the – could not do the, uh, the qualifying. A B trophy's Couldn't a trophy, baby. It's all that matters. Just That's bring right. that trophy home. <laughs> There you go. That's right. It's a nice plaque. Yeah. yeah, it's cool. No, it's awesome. So now the the quiet one of the group gets to jump in. Um, Brian and his uh, repair corner um, report for tonight on Dan's recent score of a really heavily routed Indy 500, which you polished into gold. Uh, I don't know if I would say it was heavily routed. It had been routed, but it was not in bad shape at all. Um, you know, the playfield wear was very minimal. Um, no cat, no fade on the cab, except where it had been played enough where, you know, they'd worn the paint off of the vinyl that the uh, decals are printed on. Uh, the biggest issues, I guess, were probably those unique 3D targets that are on Indy 500 with those, you know, those four LED corners in the in the corners. At some point, they had ran too long of screws through the holes, and that did, unfortunately, did break through the playfield in some spots. But, you know, a little bit of uh, glue, some wood, and some clamps, that took care of that. Uh, Dan wanted, we got new ramps for it, put those in, came out, came out great. Um, our buddy Eric... Seifert took care of the welding we had to get done. Um, the turbo itself had the majority of the spot welds broken. The mounting spot for the right side habit trail was completely broken off and held on with like a paper clip just so it didn't get lost, I think. Yeah. It came out great. Um, you know, did the normal thing, just cleaned it up, played it, uh, let the boys, my boys, sorry, uh, work their magic on it, and it it held up. The only issue was an uh, EOS wire broke off, got that resoldered on, and it seems like it's working fine. Uh, that turbo toy on that game is just incredibly neat. Uh, I love how it just it spins up and just you know throws those balls out of there. It's really it's a neat little toy. Um, I wish I had better before pictures, but you know the pop bumper area was like pitch black, uh, just coil dust completely yeah. covered in coil dust it, it, it cleaned up nice um boards didn't need too much work if anything um 
it it cleaned up nice. It's it's a fun playing game. I'm hoping Dan will be happy with it, and uh, it's nice to get it off the docket. I got uh, Henry's Indiana Jones is sitting in the garage waiting for the waiting to get started. How does that turbo work? Just out of curiosity, so you're is, saying it's a really cool. Mac. So like, the, there's a VUK that feeds into it, uh, and that kicks it up into the turbo. But inside the turbo, it's basically just like a uh, like a cross piece of plastic that divides it into four spots for the balls. And there's a there's an opto in there that lets it basically it's used as a ball sensor as well as a position sensor. And so you know you lock it in there, the opto reads it. Okay, I've got one ball in here, and uh, it, it it's always spinning. So when you get another ball in there to lock for multi-ball, you know, it's going to move it into one of the other spots. It, it knows it's open. So you'll, you'll shoot it into the lock. Then it'll turn around until it reads an open spot somewhere. And then it'll shoot it into that open spot. It's kind of like the dead world in that it knows that there's balls in there, but it may not always know how many there is, I think. Um, but it it works. It's a really... God, it's a neat toy. Like it's so it's like a so is it like a carousel and then it has the balls like almost like a roulette table kind of and then it like shoots the balls and releases kind them. Of. Is that what yeah, it does? Yeah, it holds it like okay. it holds it like a roulette table, but then it just it spins it up really fast and centrifugal force whips the balls out of there. Cool. And it is so neat. Um the the only downside to it is you know once you get three or four balls in there, is that they're all they all go kind of at the same time. Uh, it's not as a con- as of a controlled release as you would hope, but it still works really well, and it's just super. It's it's a really cool toy. Um, the spinning race car thing that's up in the upper right corner is okay, but that turbo toy is just the neatest thing on that game by far. And then the the jumping pop bumpers with the flashes in there look great. It's just it's a neat game. It's not the easy. It's a good it game. A it's a good, good game. game, and it's not very easy yeah. to do well on. Um, I haven't done well on it at all, but I haven't played it much. Um, but like I said, my my uh, soon to be five year old. God, I can't believe I'm saying that. My soon to be five year old <laughs> and my seven year old love it. Awesome. Yeah, but you know, cleaned it up, did all the normal stuff, new rubbers, uh, LEDs. I did my 3D lit targets in that game. Um, fixed the this 3D stand-ups in there, which was a little bit of out of my wheelhouse. Uh, first time I've ever worked on those, but we got them working. Cleaned up the inside of the cab, did some airbrushing to cover up the wear on the outside. Mylar over it, and it's ready to go home to Dan to his giant palatial estate that he has plenty of room for pinballs. <laughs> That I just got rid of my couch so I could actually fit all the pinballs in the living room. <laughs> but eventually, you're cleaning out your garage, right? The plan is eventually, yeah, we're gonna re we're gonna yeah. redo the garage. It's gonna be more of a pinball room, and it's gonna be real, real nice. Uh, but we because eventually we'll have to because we we have new furniture on order, so it's gonna show up. The Indy 500 back on the subject. Uh, yeah, that thing looks really, really good. Brian knocked it out of the park. Uh, you know, if you happen to live in the Northern California area and you want to get them a game to have shopped, you know, I'm sure he'd love to do the work for you. And man, they are, you know, he really, he really turns over every single, uh, every single nook and cranny. They are, they are gorgeous, gorgeous games when he's done with them. The world cup soccer he did for my wife is just immaculate. And, uh, this Indy 500, which, you know, started off to be just a, a cheap, quick, dirty little shop for me to do myself. And ended up coming over here 
is, you know, way, way better than I ever thought it would be. And I mean, we did throw some parts at it. Did you tell me about the parts? We, we threw ramps at it. Oh, we, yeah, the ramps. We threw some other goodies at it. But I mean, uh, you know, you can put all the parts that you want on a shitty looking game and it's a shitty looking game with with nice parts. Um, when you have somebody who has the uh, the ability and the expertise and the detail orientedness to to get the game where it needs to go that's that's where you're just you know that's where you're doing real real well i can do a nice shop job but it isn't uh it isn't half what brian executes so how long did it take you brian total time you know to i honestly have no idea because i had it finished a lot quicker than what i normally do because it wasn't as in-depth in terms of the work that needed to be done like there's no cab fade to re there's no cabinet that was like okay i'm repainting this because it's bothering me even though i did the touch up around the flippers because Dan was like, oh, I don't care. And I'm like, I'm doing it because it really bothers me. Well, the parts came together too, which was kind of an interesting thing about why this project went the way it did was it was like, wow, it'd be really nice to have these, but there's no way they're available. Oh, wow. You can get ramps for this thing. And I was like, I'm not going to spend the money. And then I did. But I'm like, I won't get the ramps if you can't find the ramp stickers. Oh, you can get the ramp stickers. They're they're available. Um, You know. Other than the parts that our buddy Eric uh, fixed for us, we were able to find anything that we wanted for this game to kind of put it the way that we wanted it. The broken target faces, everything like that came together. I mean, there's little little things for it that I'm sure will be harder to find, the, the race cars and stuff like that. But we were lucky enough that when Jeff and I went out and picked this thing up, most of the specific uh, Indy 500 parts that we felt like we were going to need were there surprisingly available yeah so i mean well, they were on nice. the game so we were just like yeah and, and we could have we could have pretty much done this game with the welding uh being done and just cleaning the ramps up and it, it would have been probably just as nice uh or nearly as nice but there's just something about a super clean game all led'd out with all the broken parts fixed and replaced and just a beautiful crisp clean new set of ramps on it Brand new Cliffies. We uh, we we sent him some pictures and stuff so he can do Cliffies for other people down the road for their Indy 500s. Like it ended up awesome. being a very fulfilling project, and uh, you know I'm I'm really looking forward to uh, to putting some games under it before I have to sell it to Spencer. Pretty much. Oh, I want to see that. I want to play that in person yeah. myself. Shannon, that sounds that really game, fun. Spencer. Yeah, Shannon. Well, yeah, I think of it as my version of Hot Wheels. The story behind that game. Yeah, yeah that makes I have, sense. I have, a race, yeah. I have a race car game now, so I'm cool like Mark. And it's the same announcer as World Cup, so yeah. they go hand in hand, don't they? It is, is it? Yeah, sure to No, like I think it. that the announcers actually in this game are the real Honest and to God Indy 500 commentators from that year. Yeah, they are. Oh. Like oh, okay. Hunter okay. and like somebody else, or I don't remember who it is, but... Yeah, it's it's the sound package in that game is not bad. I mean, I don't think that there's a '90s Williams where the sound sucks. Even the ones like right. like Mnemonic, where they resorted to middling to less than middling impersonators, are a lot better than the impersonators that you hear in games these days. Um, and Indy 500, like it has some really funny calls, like when you blow like an upper flipper shot. You know, it'll be like, I don't even know if he knows the upper flipper is there. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, there is some good yeah, calls. It's, it's it. a pretty smart, it's a pretty smart game for a, for a game about, you know, race cars. 
And I think that that's really cool. And, you know, it looks great. You know, the yellow and orange uh, aesthetic is very, very exciting looking. And, uh, you know, the, the racetrack is probably the stupidest toy ever made. But it actually, like, whoops that freaking car around so hard. It's almost like this game's answer to the shaker motor. Yeah, it's it's definitely a lot faster than what Hot Wheels yeah, provides. Tur- <laughs> oh, yeah, it is kind of like the Hot Wheels one. Come to think yeah. of it, it's like, you know what this game needs is a freaking car that just whips around in the thing. And then uh, and the car diverter is really neat, like a really neat, detailed little model. So, yeah, it's got a lot of cool stuff. And it's got like that what that one little scoop that kind of you can like get in this one scoop and then it like pops the ball up into another scoop. Then it pops the ball out into the pops. And, oh, yeah. The upper. The yeah. Upper scoop, that's right. the only way you can can advance your. Yeah. Like that's just super, that's just yeah. super neat. Like it's got a lot of really clever shots. Yeah. And then you have to make like what, two hundred laps or something like that, or I'm not even sure. Honestly, when I was playing it, when I had it at my house, it was only quasi functional. Um, you know, it, it worked actually better than I thought it would have worked. Like when I got that thing home, actually it flipped, and you know, once once we put uh, a new DMD in it because the DMD controller board was fried, the game actually played. It wasn't far off. I put some LEDs in it so I could see what was going on, replaced a couple fuses. And I was like, wow, you know, this thing actually pretty much works. And then I got it over to Brian and Brian's like, oh, yeah, you know, other than this and 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 this, everything works. <laughs> and I was like, oh, it sounds like we got a few things to fix. He's like, oh, yeah, it's, it's nothing hard. You know, it'll, it'll just come out with, with the shop job. No. Sure. Yeah, it was, there was what, a couple of raised inserts, got those flattened, uh, had to rebuild the VUK that leads to the turbo. Just normal stuff. Nothing, nothing seriously out of the ordinary. Well, congratulations, Brian. That's awesome that you uh, shopped it all out. And it's a great game. And it's not a common game to see that at least is working. You know, it, They're always beat to hell. As soon as people found out around here that Dan had one and they knew that I was working on it, I'd, go, I'd run into people like Shannon. Oh, is Dan going to sell that Indy 500? And I was like, I don't think so. And I think Mike Hozier's interested in it. And It's a popular game. It's, it's a good, it's a good Norman. And it, you know, in terms of Nordman's, you know, it's kind of like the poor man's whitewater. Like, you know, Norman, that's probably Norman's best game of the WPC area, but they're insanely expensive. Oh, no, I think it's I think it's pretty hard to put that up against uh, Scared Stiff. Scared Stiff is well, that's also pricey, but I don't think it's as good yeah. of a game as Whitewater. But anyways, um, it's it's a fun game. I like it. And it was definitely one of those. It was very Norman in terms of how you had to take it apart and put it together. Because, man, if you got one thing in the wrong order, you're taking three quarters of that game apart to squeeze that piece back in. Oh, wow. And I know because oh, I made that mistake like four times. <laughs> <laughs> There's a uh, multiball thing on that game that's very similar to Scared Stiff. So when you're in multiball on that game, um, it's very much like Scared Stiff where you've got to shoot left ramp, right ramp. You can start with either ramp. But you've got to you've got to alternate for the jackpot shots. Then you're trying to reload the turbo. If you get three balls in the turbo, and then it'll kick one out. I think there's four ball multi ball. It's been a while since I played it. And then you can go for a super jackpot. Or I think if you load all three, and then you get a super jackpot. It's a really cool. It's, it's so it's it, it is classic Norman, somewhat similar. And the reason I bring up it's like oh man, it was you know heavily routed. Um, the route off that Dan got those from. I've known that route off well. Somebody bought him out, but the old route op I'd known for years, and uh, 
he had had two of those on location. I used to play the hell out of them. And they were great games, and they played pretty good, and he kept them up, repaired and everything. But they had just, they'd been on location making money for years locally. So that's why I knew about those. We have a theory that Spencer has been playing this game on location for years. Oh, I know I have. I guess the upcoming job is just Henry's Indiana Jones. Um, that also turned into quite the bigger project than what I was expecting. It started with this path of adventure not working, and the opto covers were broken off. And so, okay, you need a new opto board. or Get the optos, we'll fix it. Then I took the board off, which I've now learned my lesson with Henry's games. You take the board off first before you order the parts. And whoever had done the, the solder work on the back of the board had just roached it. It, it was unrepairable. Started with the Path of Adventure, got that in there and fixed, and then we lost the entire row of switches that the Path of Adventure uh, controller is on. So we popped it open, and yeah, it's just corroded. Just tons of corrosion on there. And so it ended up, all right, Henry, bring it over, because there's no, there's no point in me just hacking this thing every little bit. Just bring it over, I'll shop it out, we'll get it working again. Started with it, we got the cab back so it's square because the front was starting to split. We got leg plates replaced, and now it's going to it's gonna be a big project. This is not going to be a very easy I-500. This is going to be a big one. So is it just me, or is it always the path to adventure that is broken on that game? It seems like everywhere I go on location, that's always the thing it that was, breaks. It was badly designed. It Yeah, it's always yeah. broken, but it's easy to fix. The big problem, okay. I, I fixed it on uh, Dan's, and I did it on my buddy Scott's when I shopped out his home use only Indiana Jones, was it would, it would never go to the right far enough. And if you look, it'll catch on the uh, the jackpot sign right there on the left ramp. So the solution is you got to mark where it hits, or you can see where it hits, and then take a Dremel and take off some of that wood so it can go further to the right. Because it oh. will stop and hit that before you hit the end of the opto limit. And once I did that, it fixed it. I think on Dan's, the other issue was it was going so fast that we had to put a piece of magnet strip in there because it was the ball was coming out of there too fast. That was a genius solution. I should have sold that mod. Uh, 20, a, bu- yeah. 20 bucks, make your mouth and your path of adventure work. And it's like a, a two cent piece of magnet. Um, <laughs> there you go. The mode, the mode start scoop, you always have to drop it down with like some washers or something like that. It's it's a relatively easy game to do. Um, I've done like this will be my third or fourth, I think. Um, it's not a bad game to work on. There's just a lot of stuff going on. It's like the next gen. There's a lot of optos going on. If something loses track, then the game kind of sucks. Right. It's fine, except for that back corner behind the path of adventure. Besides that, that game is pretty much dead simple. Like I was really freaked out by the path of adventure until Brian showed me it comes across, uh, comes apart with like two screws. I was like, oh, that's super cool. But like the spot where that little up post comes up to hold the ball from dropping in the path that's of adventure, the tolerances there are really, really tight. I would still rather take apart an Indiana Jones than a Star Trek The Next Generation. Um, it's probably about as complicated as Twilight Zone. And I know everybody's like, ah, oh, Twilight Zone, it's so terrible. Twilight Zone, once you, you know, take the the upper play field out, much like Indiana Jones, it's a snap. You know, it's just, there's just a, a lot going on. So, yeah. You know what, though? I think the Indiana Jones pales in comparison to our real project. 
So um, the creature, the creature from the dissected lagoon, or the dissected <laughs> creature from the black lagoon. Yeah, Dan, we pulled this play field and we got all the, the wiring out. We was... pulled everything out of that game. That game is is it's disassembled and it's on a table in my office. And we we delivered the cabinet to our buddy Will Work for pinball, uh, George, uh, for re, uh, much mucho reparo and redecaling. But this will be the nicest creature around. So you've got the brand new play field all done installed thanks to Cheddar. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cheddar did the play and, field and, swap for me. Right. Like and, the I did shop, and then Cheddar did a swap. And uh, so so the story with this game is, I don't know if we've told this on the show. I traded this this basket case creature uh, for for a game to Mike Ho- for, for Mike Hozier. And he had sort of petered out on the project. And I put it together and it was fine, right? Played great. Looked looked yeah. fine. And he included lots of great new parts with it. He included a new ramp set. So I, I did this job. Brian came over, uh, did a great scoop repair. We threw a cliffy on it and it was fine. And then they did the creature play fields. And I, I came into some money and I decided I had to have one. And, and once I did that, I was like, oh, well, we got to do the cabinet. And George was like, oh, yeah, man, I'll do the cabinet for you. And then he blew me off for like a year. <laughs> and so like the other day, he calls me out of the clear blue. He Actually, he sends me a text. says, hey, give me a call. And I'm like, oh, my God, what happened? And he's just like, hey, I'm ready to do your creature cabinet now. How soon can you get it to me? So uh, Mike G, Brian, uh, other Dan, they converged on my house on Saturday morning. And it was like a feeding frenzy of people disassembling this pinball machines, putting things in the plastic bags, labeling. Like we did a really proficient job of disassemblage and we rearranged my game collection out to the living room while we were at it. And uh, so, yeah, man, you know, it's both a lot more and a lot less than you think it's going to be when you get it out of the cabinet. It could be worse. Like when I had everything organized, I was sort of like, wow, it's, it's not as much stuff as you think there's going to be, but I'm sure when it's time to start putting it back, it's going to be like, Oh <laughs> yeah. my God, what have we gotten ourselves into? Oh yeah. <laughs> I, I would, I would argue with that. Cause you have your doctor who, what, two games away from it that you, we can use to look at. Oh hey, no! I mean, I don't Twilight think it's, zone. it's yeah. It's not as bad as it as it seems. I'm just talking about the 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 volume of parts. Oh yeah, like, yeah. It it really drives home to you how empty a pinball machine is. Like it's basically a big wooden box, and the playfield's almost all the action. And the playfield came out in one piece, a million plugs, but one piece, and then the four or five boards up in the back box, and some other incidental stuff. And so when you actually have it disassembled and like I got it all organized and it's sitting it's sitting on a table in my in my office, I was all like, wow, you know, it doesn't look like that much when you have it organized and just sitting here. But I know that when we start putting that some bitch back together, it's going to feel like 100 million parts. <laughs> <laughs> Dan, when you mentioned project, I thought you were talking about the $40 Funhouse playfield. The $40. The $40. Yeah. The, oh, the, the, so, so the hobo find. Yeah. So we got, we got that going on. And then Brian, Brian has one of these projects that we have to actually has two, two of these projects we have to get doing. And maybe this will be the beginning. Like this is the yeah. first step. Once we get this thing back together, we'll have the cockiness to start doing yours. 
because he's got. I'm not letting you guys touch my game. You guys are nuts. I mean, me and, I mean, me and you. And me, I'll just be cheering you on. But uh, yeah, no, we have a. We have. He has a fun house to restore, and you will not believe what he found and where he found it. So last Saturday, um, Dan and I were heading over to go to Todd and Susie's to help get things ready for the guys to come pick up the punk and all that stuff. And I'm driving to go get some gas, and I pass like this little homeless strip at the end of Kiefer out here in Sacramento. And there's like you know some caravan sitting there, and I pass. And I was like, man, those are two pinball play fields sitting up against that that caravan thing. And I stopped my car and I was real tempted to turn around right away. But I was like, no, I'll go get my gas and I'll come back because it's still going to be there. So yeah, I came back and um, pulled in and outside of this guy's caravan, he's got a partially populated Gorgard and he's got a partially populated Funhouse playfield. Uh, so I start yelling and not yelling, you know, hey, who's here? And trying to find out who lives there, find out what's going on with these things. You know, this homeless tweaker guy comes out and uh, long story short is I talked him into the funhouse par- partially populated play field. And he also had a trans light for it for 40 bucks. <laughs> wow. Now, the play field's trash, like someone had painted over it. You know, it's going to be good to sand and put like an overlay on. Rudy's completely gone. Anything that could have been scavenged for copper is gone. But it still has the complete trapdoor assembly, you know, underneath and on top. There's plenty of metal habit trails there that I'm whatever one looks better is going on to my game. And the trans light that I got off the street is in better shape than the one that's been in my game since God knows when. But it was still just another interesting, like you never know what you're gonna find when you pass a homeless encampment. Maybe drugs might be a fun house play field. You know, what's so funny about that is uh that's not the first story. That's the first one with pinball parts. But just like a couple of months ago, uh, some guys I know, they, they have pinball machines, but they're more video game guys. And it was uh, in the Bay Area. And they found a homeless encampment with a battle zone in it. And they're like, should I go see if I can get that from them? And I don't know what ever happened to it. They were talking about it for a while. And it just kind of died off because it's like, no, it's at a homeless camp, you know. And But yeah, but it's a battle zone. And the cabinet looks pretty good. So it's just kind of funny. Like, how does this stuff end up in homeless camps? You know, it's just wild. So anyway, that's that's an awesome story and a great score for you. And the fact that you got a better trans light than you had. That's so cool. It was like, like I said, it's not can't turn it into a game, but I can use the parts that I need. And the ramps are the ramps. So the ramps are trash. So if someone here is like, I wanted to flame polish to learn. Fine. You know. I'm going to use what I'm going to use, and the rest of it I'll probably end up giving away on the Funhouse group or something or other. Yeah, and if you just keep your eyes open, man, you never know what you're going to run across out there. You know, I think that that's how most of the good scores in this world sort of work is just like, you know, you're going to run into the coolest thing when you're not even watching for it. Right. Yep. No, that's that's always it. That's how I've stumbled across some really good deals on games in the past. I mean, not at a homeless camp, but, you know, it just randomly oh hey that's there cool so right on man Uh, great uh great repair report and cool story man brian always comes up with these great stories it's just like you know just like you guys with cool adventures um we lost another uh personality of pinball um a fantastic designer legend a legend, yeah. I was having breakfast last Saturday with, or two Saturdays ago. My daughter and son-in-law were talking about that. It's like there's people that like 
that are just when they pass and you cannot find anybody that, uh, you know, it's like not, nobody ever had anything bad to say. And Barry Orsler was one of those people. You know, you never hear anybody say anything negative about the guy. You know, always everyone uh, in the industry only had positive things to say about him. But unfortunately, he's passed. A great designer. And, and what's interesting is I didn't realize how many games I love that are designed by him. There's so many good games. Um, and it's funny because when you go to people's collections, you're like, oh, there's, you know, there's Steve Ritchie. And then I'm just like, oh, Barry did this game. Oh, wow. I didn't know Barry did this one. So, yeah, it's a it's it's sad yeah. to see him gone. It really is. But uh, he was also the one that uh, had a lot of humor in his games. And uh, it always helped make the game fun to play. Yep. It sure you does. know, the amazing thing about Arsler, too, was he started in the 70s and he really peaked in the 80s. You know, he he did some great stuff in the 90s and then just fell off the face of the earth and just, you know, he was always with companies, you know, he, but he never seemed to land uh, with anyone who was going to get a game out. And yeah, right. uh, it, it's a real shame. He had, he had just ended up with American, you know, he was one of the, the building blocks of like the American rebuild. And, you know, it's, it's a real pity that we lost him because I was really looking forward to seeing, you know, what, what he could put out. Um, you know, he's a guy Me who, too. I mean, he's, he's a legend, you know, that guy, that guy, you know, a lot of people, it gets thrown around. Oh, you know, they saved pinball, you know, space shuttle in 1985. If that game hadn't been a giant hit, like it was Williams was ready to stop making pinball machines. Yep. And, and that single handedly, you know, put them back in the game and put them in a position where they were able to take over Bally and have some success. And then the other companies, you know, the Data East showed up, the Premier showed up. And, you know, it's it was this the spark that led to the pinball explosion in uh in the nineties. He was there for that with with Bram Stokers and uh, you know, Who Done It, which I think is just a closet favorite of almost everybody in the room. Love that kid. Yep. You know, and Absolutely. it's just you know. He and he he uh, he was a teammate, you know. He worked with a lot of guys, you know. He worked with Futz on uh, Doctor Who and made it into a great game. He worked with Python a lot, <laughs> uh, including on Popeye, which you know some people might not thank him for, but it's a game. It plays. Spencer loves it because he's a sailor man. So <laughs> yeah. you know that game, and a lot of people who own that game have said of that game. It's so close to being a fantastic game. If they just had changed the rule set a little bit, it says it's got one of the best video modes in all of pinball. I've heard a lot of people say that. I played it on location. I'd love to have one because I love the theme. Are um, you talking about Popeye? Popeye, yeah. Yeah. I like uh, Popeye, but man, that play field is a mess. Yeah, it's pretty wild. They it's just got weights. go a little crazy. It's sort yeah. of like it makes me think of Escape from the Lost World. That's good. Well, but I'm just in that it's it's like a play set under glass, and in this right. case, it's like a boat. Well, yeah. <laughs> the problem <laughs> yeah. with Popeye is is when you think Popeye, you think he's beating the crap out of Bluto and all these weird and all this weird stuff's happening. You don't think Popeye is going to save the environment? <laughs> right. Yeah, he would really stop like that. 
Popeye's <laughs> going to save the bald eagles. No, Popeye's going to beat the crap out of Bluto <laughs> and maybe a meep or two and not worry about the bald eagles. And that's where they kind of lost it. It's just was Popeye could have been a better theme if they incorporated more Popeye and less not Popeye into it. I don't know. It, it was The 90s was a weird time to make a game about Popeye, but... It was apparently a passion project for Python Angelo, and, and Barry Elsler was there to help him get through it right. and, and to make it into some sort of game. So, and it does have some cool, some cool mechanisms, oh, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. The mechs are the, the you know, know, and it, it does have a style, you know, just at all. I don't think it ever coalesced into something that was, you know, really, really fun to play. Universally reviled but, is like the worst wide body. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, I would say yeah. that. But I mean, at the end of the day, you know, uh, he finished his career out with what junkyard? Yeah, and, yeah. I have, have the list in alphabetical yeah, that's a order. Solid, that's a solid B game, you know. And you know, it's got it's got its it's got its fans. It's got the people who love it. So you know, I think that you know you got to give Ausler all the credit in the world. The guy had a tremendous career. He he meant a huge amount to the industry, and uh, you know, it's a shame that we never got to see him. You know, we never got to see what he would have been like. In the 2000s, the 2010s, the 2020s, with the kind of you know technology that we have now, right? Now I have a question for Space Shuttle. Am I imagining things, or is that like one of the first games that had a toy in it? That nope. is considered you're, the you're first game that had a toy with the Space Shuttle. Yeah, yep. it's the first game. I believe that it's big first was that it was the first game with molded plastic ramps. With molded plastic ramps, because that's the thing I remember with with Space Shuttle is. It was that toy. It was the space shuttle, and it didn't do anything. It sat, but it but it captivated my interest, which made me play the game. Well, it was that every, space shuttle? Toy. Every little boy in the in the eighties was shuttle mad. Absolutely, it, it was the representation of the future. Yeah, and you know, unfortunately, not super long after space shuttle came out, you know, reality set in with with the Challenger disaster, but. You know, that's not to take away anything from the pinball machine itself. It is a great pinball machine. Uh, and I think when it came out, like it was, it was the best pinball machine. I mean, I would have, I mean, I guess that you could say, well, Gorgar, you know, had six ball, multi ball and, and, uh, you know, Black Knight did this and Flash Gordon did that. But to me, it's like just the simple addictive gameplay, you know, the, the heat shield and, and the little, uh, the little uh, escape hatch, you know, made it feel really fair. It gave you lots of opportunities to not die. And right. it was incredibly that, that, cool to yeah. knock on the drop target and hit that ramp. That The drop target blocking the ramp was genius. That was yeah, fun. It's just such a great game. And I mean, yeah. you know, I don't know if we we're going to talk about our favorite Ouslers, but I mean, I'm going to jump in there just up front and say, I love who done it. But man, it's got to be Space Shuttle. And, you know, it's a game that I, I will definitely have in my collection someday uh, because I just I really, really enjoy Space Shuttle. And in a weird piece of Dan trivia, when I won League, that was the game I kicked Rick's ass at, which is not to say I kicked his ass. <laughs> it's to say I had a slightly less bad game. Still counts. There you go. Go to IPDB. Look up Ausler. There's yeah. like 50 games on there and they're all they're all pretty much great let's go through just a couple real quick obviously space shuttle which helped save pinball it really did gorgar absolutely save pinball gorgar was his best seller first speech units first game of speech Um, how important is gorgar like that was a huge game 
And then I'm going to go with one more. Uh, second best seller at 12,001 units, Pinbot. There you go. And you have one. A very nice one. And a, a land, another landmark game. But I mean, yeah, there's how, all, you know, Pinbot was Pinbot, genius. Man. Like Pinbot was in every arcade. Yeah. And Pinbot has its own Nintendo game. Pinbot has its own handheld game. Pinbot's one of those. There's like, I, I counted up in my head before the show, like a few days ago when I was writing show notes. And there's like six games like that you can find non pinball p- people who aren't insane like us, but they know pinball and you can go, Oh, I know that game because they know the artwork, the visual imagery or the, a sound call out. And that's pinbots. One of them, um, captain fantastic, the EM fireball EM. Um, and then you have high speed pinbot black Knight, and Adam's family. If you take any of those games, man, they are so iconic that people on the street, the average Joe that played pinball as a kid or in college or whatever, and, really, you know, they don't own it. They don't go to the leagues or tournaments, that kind of thing. But they go, oh, yeah, pinball. I know that game. I used to play it in the arcade. Oh, and I had the Nintendo game. Yeah, the Nintendo right. game was, was, a, was a big thing. I mean, it was actually published by Nintendo themselves. They made a high-speed one as well. Yep. They did. Same, yeah. same maker, but that one wasn't published by Nintendo. It was published by Trade West. Oh, you know, really? Pinbot is another game that, man, like, again, it was in every arcade. Everybody played it. The gameplay was so simple, so addictive. Um, the theming was so dead on. And the style is just like that game. I mean, here was the thing, right? When you were a kid in what was Pinbot, 80, 87? uh pinbot was 86 86 uh, 86. october 86 so yeah, yeah. ran in 87 so we're like 10 11 years old or i'm like 10 11 years old and i'm seeing that game in the arcade and watching it go through the attract mode and watching the visor flip up and down and that was sort of like when you saw adam's family for the first time and you saw thing for me the reason that Pinbot was better than high speed was because of the visor. And you really just, you wanted to hit those targets so bad. So and, true. And lock the eyeballs and start the multi-ball and the music would kick in. And, you know, it was just an example of just, you know, uh, 80s Williams at their finest. And I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, I absolutely adore high speed. And, you know, it's a Steve Ritchie masterpiece. And it's probably better for like the pure pinball player. If there's one bad thing about Pinbot, and I'm sure Spencer can relate being an owner, that game is fucking mean as shit. Yep. <laughs> yeah, you know, you know like, who has a high score on our so lives to kick so you in the nuts. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you know who <laughs> has a high score? You know, genius, right? You know, if the game if you want to play it and the game shuts you down, it makes more quarters. Yep. Especially when yeah. it drains out of the pop bumpers right into the left right. outlet. Bang! Like right into the left outlet. Like it was done so well, it does it in Jackpot. Exactly. Jackpot. Yep. jackpot does the exact same thing. And you're like, fuck this game. But Jackpot at least has a ball saver. And sometimes it'll save you. <laughs> Pinpot, man, that was pre-ball saver. Dude, that you, was, that was you'd really get that instant drain and it's like, have fun being dead. That was mid-80s, yeah. dude. Ball saves back then were for pansies. But, oh, yeah. Well, there was no such thing. I mean, I didn't know what the first game of the ball saver was. But, yeah, man, Pinbot, like that game just lived to, to house ball, yeah. Well, I know with Pinbot, the thing that I really liked about it is it reminded me of Breakout, but you weren't like – it was kind of like – that's what it made me think. I was like, oh, wow. Of yeah, physical- the Matrix. 
Yeah, a physical breakout game with the pinball. That's what it kind of remind me of. Of course, you're lighting them instead of breaking them, but it was still kind of the same concept where you had to build that whole matrix, like you said. And yeah, the visor for sure. Absolutely. That was a magical moment for me with that game was, dude, this is so cool how the visor opens and it lowers down. And oh, yeah, it's so cool. And it's such a good game. you into making those death shots. Yeah. Like you have to hit those like straight on bounce back at the flipper shots if you want to proceed through the game. And of course, once you once you know how it works, you know that it's like if you can time it just right, you can open the visor with one shot. But, you know, as kids, none of us knew that, you know. Yeah. And the, and the little bagatelle thing, you know, on the right hand side when you shoot up the ramp and then it's like, oh, it either drops through the hole or it goes into the, you know, in the in lane or whatever. That was really cool how it With randomized the it. robot freak version of Bride of Pinbot. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's yep. funny as those games went on, she like she like slowly and slowly got better looking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, man, just. You know, uh, Space Station, you know, like I remember that was at the roller rink that I hung out with when I really got into pinball and, you know, getting that whole condition green thing and the big rotating Space Station toy and the really weird outlane arrangement. Like, you know, all of his games, I think that I think that, you know, if you think about any designer, like I can go back and appreciate Steve Ritchie. I can go back and appreciate, you know, Lawler showed up right after that. But man, you know, the Ausler games were really the games of my youth. And yeah, uh, they were so unique. Every design. I mean, bad cats. I mean, that was a great game, too. I mean, oh, my gosh. Love bad Um, cats. The the carnival ones, you know, common. Yeah, the carnival. Yeah. 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 Those were everywhere, too. Everywhere. Everywhere you go, you'd find um, especially comments on cyclones. I mean, yeah. come on, a, a Ferris wheel that was grabbing the ball. That was so yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah and the ram shots and, you know, yeah. I mean, he was, uh, hey, and he was face. very, now that I think of it, I thought it was Steve Rich or um, Mark Ritchie, but now it's Alzer that did the repeatable ramps, uh, which I love because it's like, you can just shoot that ramp all day and then you just make that one miss and you're like, oh crap, I got to start all over again. Like with police force, bad cats. Yep. Um, Cyclone. That was definitely one of his trademarks. Was the repeatable ramp. But, Ride the cyclone. Yeah, oh, man. so good. You know? So yeah, good. But, yeah, it, it, you know he was part of all of our youth. You know, I mean, just yeah. talking about all yeah, the games, I, games. I do the as we have this conversation, it just occurs to me so much that, like, again, you know, those games were really the games of of my youth. Like every one of his games was a memorable game that I wanted to play because the themes were great. Because the gameplay was was always challenging, but but fair, except for Pinbot, because fuck that game. But you wanted to play it because it was so cool. Like right. you know, he's really just it's it's just such a tough loss. And I mean, I know it'll be just as bad when we lose Steve Ritchie and when we lose you know Pat Lawler. You know, none of us are getting any younger. But you know, just just you know, when I heard about Arsler, it was just what a tragedy because we never you know. I wouldn't say he peaked with Junkyard. You know, he definitely peaked in the 80s. But, I mean, you know, Bram Stoker's is a hell of a game. Uh, and, oh, that's and a great who, game. Who it's an, under, an underrated classic of theming. And I don't think it's his best play field, but it's just such a great theme. Yeah. And uh, I really would, you know, I liked his style in the 90s. You know, he really, his games, you know, had a weird, had a weirdness to them. Although I do think Junkyard's kind of a... But uh, yeah, junkyard. Yeah, but you, you gotta love yeah, that. Okay, <laughs> you gotta love the wrecking ball, though. That's a cool Mac. 
You know what, what I would have loved about Junkyard was the original theme for Junkyard was going to be all built out of like the pieces of the biggest games of like the previous decade or so. Oh, that'd be cool. Yeah. So it would have had bits of Adam's family and bits of this and bits of that. Yeah, it was. I mean, when I'm looking through this list and I'm like, man, his his shot layouts were all different. They didn't all have the same shot layout when I'm looking at it at the list. It's like he had a uniqueness to a lot of his designs. And uh, but then he had some things that were trademarks of him, like like I said, with the center ramp. Um, But they all had a unique design and gameplay, which made them so good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's going to be missed. And he's going to miss Alzor. The shame is, is he never got to give us one more game. You know, I he never know. Got to go, this is my last game, guys, but I'm going to give you a good one. You know? And, yeah, uh, it's too bad. It's, it's too bad. He fought long and hard. He fought, I know he fought uh, cancer and, um, you know, a lot of other illnesses and always kept a smile on his face, always had time for his fans. So, you know, God bless him, man. Yeah. Um, and on new news, you know, we keep going. We keep going. We keep playing pinball and people keep making them, guys. P3 Multimorphic has announced the Weird Al Yankovic game. And I am excited. I am too. Can't wait. I am buying one. <laughs> You're going to go P3 finally? Oh, I got to. I can't, I can't have told the world so many times that Weird Al would be the perfect theme. And then have them come out with a game and be like, yeah, man, not buying it. Um, I'm, I'm going to figure it out. I'm, I should be getting, I've, I've, I've contacted coin taker and I told them I was interested and they said, okay, you know, the details will be out on Monday. So I guess we're going to find out tomorrow how, how brutal it's going to be and how many, how many games I'm going to have to sell to pay for this thing. But I am, I am going to, to make a run at this one. I am excited to tell everybody, for the record, that Press Start will be getting a Weird Al Yankovic P3 Multimorphic module. They have they have a heist, or they, they have a heist. heist. It wasn't there when I were there last, right? So they just need to get a kit. Yep they 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 just need to get the kit. And the cool thing about it is the owner of the heist uh, module in the P3 is a Weird Al fan. So he's like, oh, and he didn't even know about it. I was like, hey, did you hear that Weird Al's coming out with for P3? He's like, really? He's like, oh, I got to call them right away and, and get one on a, on a test location. Because as we all know, it's rare to see P3 multimorphic uh, pinball machines in a public venue. There's so, very few on location. There's very few. Yeah. There's very few. But um, Press Start will be getting one. So, um, so my understanding is that awesome. kids are available. Yes. Like you could get the kit now. I also heard uh, just recently that they have all the parts. They just don't have all of them assembled yet, but they do have all the parts. So as far as uh, the supply issue, they have all of the inventory. They just need to manufacture and build it and put it together. But I'm telling you something, I'm blown away by how packed that play field is for just being the top half. You pretty impressive. The, the ramps and the way, like, okay, you shoot the ramp and then it flips up and flips it backwards down the habit trail. How and cool then, is that? And, and then, thank God, they incorporated, uh, you know, they've incorporated uh, uh, UHF because the, the camera has U62, which is the TV station in the movie UHF. They have the song. 
And it's like, and that camera moves and it's a lock that ejects the multi-balls and it turns like a cannon. How cool so is that? Cool. It's like, it oh my feels God. like they did a really super good job of kind of extending the P3, you know, because P3, I think the biggest complaint with people who aren't in the in the know about P3 is that, you know, it's that, well, everything's at the back of the play field, so the bottom of the play field's all barren. And this is like, it's got ramps that are going down the sides. It's got a play field cross. Um, you know, it, it really does seem to have, I mean, a pretty full feel. It is very, it is very back heavy because that's just sort of the nature of the beast. Um, you know, but you have, you know, you have the virtual targets, the rollover stuff. So I'm, you know, I'm really, oh man, I'm, you know, I'm excited, man. And I just, I saw the video and I heard the announcement and then the, it was just like, the announcement was like, oh, coming soon from P3. So I think we just watched it. Yeah. And it turned out, you know, I think somebody told us, oh shit, there's a weird owl game. And so I kind of got spoiled, but it was just like, I saw that and I was just like, oh, you're, you're, you're freaking kidding me. Nobody knew that. That was just like out of left field. Yeah. Nobody had a clue. Out of the clear no blue. leaks. Nothing. It's yeah. getting huge. Like Rick and Morty. It was the same kind of thing. Like, holy crap. What a, what a, they're going to do really well. I know that when that goes on sale tomorrow, uh, yep. I think that's the 28th, right? All kinds yeah. of yeah. other yeah. media. 20, it's gonna, uh, it's gonna it's gonna be it's gonna be a huge seller. It's I gonna really sell think well, I, and you know if it's if it's any sort of a continuation after Heist, because Heist was finally for me like, all right, P three is legit. Heist is really 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 fun. Awesome if game. Weird Al even gets remotely close to being as fun as Heist is. They're gonna have a huge hit on their hands, and a lot of people, like you guys have mentioned, is haven't played it because there's not many out on location. And I think if those people who complain about the, the bare lower play field and actually played a game where it's used well, like in Heist, they would that, that complaint would disappear. Yeah. Yep. It, well, it just is, think of all the crazy the same, things. Yeah. 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 It is the same dude who designed the Heist module. Um, yeah. Then you better begin. And then it's got uh who is it? It's Bowen Karen's and uh, uh some some other like pinball badass did the rules and Scott Denisi did the music and someone who I don't know did the art and Weird Al did the call outs and 2000 yeah. of them, 2000 call outs from Weird Al. Think about that. How awesome that is. 2000 uh, call outs and, and 1,999 of them are just him counting. Yeah, probably. <laughs> well, the thing that's funny about it is, or not funny, but the thing that's going to be cool is, there's so much weirdness to Weird Al, so they have to incorporate that screen to shoot at weird, bizarre stuff. I hope so, because, I mean, there's a couple of things I saw, like there's like a random, like almost like a Wheel of Fortune kind of thing that spins around. The Wheel of Fish. The yes. Wheel of Fish. Yeah, 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 that's it. Um, yeah, that's cool. And the um, the diverters, there's a whole bunch of different diverters. Uh, the spiral wire form is pretty cool. I'm excited to see how that works. Um if if the, I mean it's Bo and Karen, so the rules got to be good. So I, I think it's a slam dunk. I really do. I think it's gonna be really good. I you know here's the thing that I wonder: how many? So P 3s virtually ten years old, right? Seven years old, something like that. And they've sold a couple hundred of them. You know, is this going to be the thing that puts P three on the map? 
You know, is is Al is Al the driver that they needed? I mean, again, you know, it's got me going like, okay, well, it's got to happen. You know, I I I mean, I'm not even gonna lie, man. I I wish it wasn't a P3. I wish it was gonna be a nice Stern Pro or an American right. Pinball or something right, like that, right. so I didn't have to spend thirteen thousand, fourteen thousand dollars on it. Um, but you know, the fact that it is a P3, like there are certain advantages to the platform, you know, it, it's got the online connectivity that everyone else is just catching up with. It's got the modular system. So, you know, if you decide that you want heist or if they come out with another really killer theme, or, you know, if you really like Lexi Lightspeed or Cosmic Kart Racing, you can hook those up. Although I'm pretty sure that mine will spend about 99% of the time just as Weird Al. Of course. Um, like it's a really cool platform with just a ton of potential and they're they're constantly enhancing it. You know, apparently this one has the newest flipper system, which is supposed to feel more natural. It has a new system for the pop-ups. It has yeah, now new- that's my my question about that. Speaking yeah. of that, I'm glad you brought that up. The new upper flipper the, the, modules. The, 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 the upper flipper modules are extra, of course. But what is it? Five flippers in the game? Am, am, is that what I heard? Five? There's an upper flipper. That's what there's I was left, thinking. That right, it, and then there's two on the bottom. Flippers. That's crazy. Upper, left, upper right, bottom left, bottom right, and then it has a little mini one in the Al's Cafe area. So it's, wow. it's sort of got that same thing going on that like uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, you know, stuff like that, where it just right. has a, like a bajillion flippers. So yeah, it's it looks like I said, man, it looks crazy. It looks crazy and stacked, and yeah. Now for the scoops. They, I was reading that they have motorized scoops instead of um, with the solenoid. How is that going to be incorporated into the game? Is that going to be like from this point forward, if you get a, a brand new machine that it's going to be motorized or can that be retrofitted with the old games? Do you know? Maybe Brian, you know, because that's. I think the difference is just stuff. like the older ones have a solenoid that drives them. So the right. action is more abrupt and the right. new ones are going to have a motor drive them. So the action is more smooth. I don't okay. think it's going to make much difference as to the functionality. I'm sure the program will just allow for whichever one that you have. Okay. But it's not like something you can upgrade on your existing machine. It's something that's coming have, with the new, the new main never machine. Really mentioned it. Yeah. I have no idea. It's yeah, possible. I'm wondering about that. Cause I saw that I was like, because the way that they utilize those scoops is pretty cool because that's like an, an additional shot depending on what pops up which like they do with yeah. heist when you finish yeah. a mode i love that that's so cool and then you have the side targets too you have the the um stand-up targets which are like the big rectangles i guess you could say as a stand-up target but um yeah like i said if they incorporate the the screen to go with the the actual hardware that's up in the top of the play field they could do a lot with it. And they do have a good selection of songs across all the albums. Um, I was surprised they had the yeah, sports song one. That, that it was kind of surprising that that was in there. It's good. It's a, Yeah, 17 songs, and I agree, sports song kind yeah, of Yeah, I was kind of like, okay, that was interesting yeah. that that was picked. But who knows? But I guess there's a mode that ties to it. And, you know, I guess that Al curated all the songs that are in it, and they, they worked with him on on how the songs would incorporate and what the modes would be like and – you know, I think that they we we were lamenting that it doesn't have a biggest ball of twine in Minnesota mode. Uh, but, you know, I mean, it doesn't mean that that, you it know, be added on. yeah, that they might. not. 
new expansions. And- I, I I wanted uh, Mr. Frump and his iron lung multi-ball, but, you know. <laughs> It's got there to be stupid. That's, oh, that's you know, the best one yeah, ever. Ones. So, yeah, I'm just, you know, I really, I really just, I don't want to wax too poetic about it. You know, I've been saying for years, we're dolls, emo- like, it's, it's a music theme that like they'll never do, but like they're the cross section of pinball fans and weird Al fans has to be huge. And uh, because we're all a little weird. So I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how this thing turns out, man. I really, 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 really am excited. Well, you know, if you think about it, we mentioned manufacturer would make a Weird Al game. Weird Al, reputation as a weird guy, right? P3 is a reputation as a weird pinball manufacturer. It's a match. <laughs> like, That's true, yeah. Brian. Yeah. That's Somebody true. said, yeah. and it was, it, was, it was pretty right, it's like, you know, P3 makes a novelty machine. You know, Weird Al is a novelty artist, so it's a match made in heaven. Yeah. But, you know, Weird Al is also, you know, the most successful novelty artist of all time. So yeah, nobody else even comes close. Yeah, it's 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 a huge, huge get, I think, for Multimorphic. Oh, and, yeah. And I'm hoping that this, you know, I'm hoping this sells some units for him. But not so many units that it's hard for me to get one. All week long, I've seen multimedia outlets yep. you know that are completely unrelated with pinball because weird al is a multi-grammy winning right. artist and so it's like hey weird Al's guys you know it's been on his website for a week or two you know coming soon weird al pinball it's been on you know all the mainstream uh we're more or more mainstream less pinball media so it's getting out there and the quote-unquote non-pinball people are going do you hear weird al's getting his own pinball machine and then they're going to take a look at the video. And if they got that kind of coin, they're going to plunk down on it. Let man. me pick it back off of what you said, Spencer, because out of curiosity, uh, Weird Al posted the pinball machine uh, trailer or the uh, promo video. There were 641 comments about that game from just general public from Weird Al fans. Right. So that told me right there that people are really excited about this game and this will get pressed when it's released. It will be on the news because weird Al is a worldwide phenomenon. I mean, the guy is amazing. In fact, when they announced that game, I was like, you know, I don't want to watch some weird Al videos. I watched them for three, four hours straight on Friday night with my kids laughing hysterically. Right you know, weird Al fans are Man. rabid. Like we go to every show and we buy pretty much everything that you can buy because he's never made the mistake of overplaying his hand. Right. Like there's not so much weird owl stuff out there that you don't want more. And what's interesting is so, this will be the first game, a first pinball that will have hip hop in it with white and nerdy. <laughs> yeah, it's got it's yeah. got white and nerdy and it's got and uh, Amish Amish Paradise. Paradise. So two hip hop music that you never heard in any pinball game before. So this could break yeah, the ice. Here's, here's a funny Weird Al story. Back in the 90s, a buddy of mine calls me and he's like, hey, Dan, I'm at Tower. They have the new Weird Al sim- single. Do you want me to pick it up for you? And I was like, no, nah, I'll just pick up the album when it comes out. And he's like, it's called Amish Paradise. And I'm like, yeah, you better buy that. <laughs> that <laughs> is the best song and best video ever. Oh, it's so good. He's oh, genius. Yeah. It's incredible. And, and I'm really hoping that like we get some video assets 
you know, I know that every, I know that, you know, you've seen the art style and it looks really cool and custom and cartoony and, and faithful, but it would be also nice if like we do get some of the music video assets in there. And I mean, I don't know if you guys have ever been to a Weird Al show, but he does mock interviews that are the funniest thing that you've ever seen. Yeah. I've seen that on YouTube where he like takes clips. Yeah. Al TV. TV. Like, oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So there's like, there's just so many places that they can take this game and just make insanely fun and insanely cool modes. Like just, you know, and they have all this video space because you have the video play field and the video back box. And there's just a lot of places that Weird Al can go that that might make this one of the coolest music machines ever made. I'm really loving my Guns N' Roses. Don't get me wrong. Uh, You know, I don't know if this is going to be, you know, better than Guns N' Roses, if P3 is going to outdo Jersey Jack or anything. I don't know if this is going to be a better shooter than Rush. But I mean, I promise you that it's going to have a degree of of artist cooperation and interactivity uh, that I think will be just unparalleled. It's going to be And I'll be curious, like, how soon will they get it out? I mean, I don't know. It's uh, I'm excited about it. It's going to be cool. Got to wait. Got to wait. Next week, Dan's like, Brian, come over. It's it's here. Yeah, that'd be cool, huh? Help me sell blood. (laughs) <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna be finding I, out i can tell you this that he's gonna have a real problem getting orders because i guarantee you i don't know if I, i'm sure those le's will sell out i mean come on a accordion topper with we all on top that's got to be the coolest topper ever yep. man <laughs> that's so cool well, they're 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 trying you know they have 227 le's which again sounds super limited until you consider that they've sold a couple hundred p3s right so you know i do i think that you know They'll get snapped up because of the the weird speculator nature of pinball right now. And, and pinball Al fans. Right. Yeah. But I'm hoping that like it's more Al fans, you know, getting in on this and that, you know, it's not like you have to fight with a scalper. And I'm hoping, you know, that just I don't want to I don't want to be like, you know, don't be too successful. But yeah, I'm hoping that the people who really want it can get it. I agree. Yeah. You know, and. And, you know, with this kind of purchase, you know, I think that it's, you know, there's there's two people who are going to be in on this. It's going to be the hardcore, you know, because, again, it's not like a, a six thousand, seven thousand dollars Stern Pro. You know, your cost of entry for Weird Al, you know, is is eight thousand dollars for a P3 and three thousand dollars for the Al module. You know, so you're talking you're about talking, you're talking LA price. Yeah. In, Right, you're talking $13,000 plus for that LE. So again, you know, the only people who are going to be going after this are the people who really, really want it or the people who really, really think they can flip it. And I don't know if if P3 is a super flippable platform. So I'm really hoping that, again, those those LEs are going to be available. But I, like I said, I'm, I've got my name in with Cointaker. I, I emailed them last week. And said, "Hey, I'm interested." They and they, you know, their response was like so, so curt. Point takers, like, awesome. All right, they're great. so good. They're like, "All right, great. We'll have information for you on Monday." I'm like, "Thanks, Melissa. You're yeah, the Melissa's best. awesome. <laughs> Melissa's awesome. Yeah. So, hopefully, we will got good news tomorrow. Well, here's my question: um, If you order a brand new game, do you get Lexi Lightspeed included, or is that in addition to the Weird Al module? Uh, no, you, as far as I understand the basic system 
comes with no game. Wow. I checked the website yesterday, and that's the understanding I got, too. So it's $8,000, and then again, you sell. Wow. And then during the pandemic, they had a package where it was like, for whatever it was, like you would get the system and you'd get all the games for like 15. And at the time it was, you know, you got Lexi, you got uh, Cosmic Kart Racing and you got- Yeah, Ernst. I remember that deal. Oh man. And and so that's a great deal. And, you know, that was now a you're going to have a, a deal. fourth module. Three games in one. And then each, it's basically, you're getting like a couple modules for free. And then you have, uh, or you're getting a module for free. And then, you know, each of the games, each of the modules has a couple few games that play on it. So like Lexi Lightspeed, I think also plays Cannon Lagoon and, uh, you know, uh, Cosmic Heart Racing also plays Sorcerer's Apprentice and, uh, you know, there's other little ones. And then I don't know if Heist has a second or third game or second game attached to it yet. So obviously... My first concern is like, let's get Al and then we'll start worrying about getting high. Exactly. And the other thing too, is hopefully those mechs are uh, reliable because uh, I know with our heist that we have, we have problems with that crane and it constantly had to be repaired on, on location. So it really doesn't seem to me like P3, like almost like JJPs as well. But like, I think that those are meant for home right. use. Like when, when they had a heist out there on location, I too was just like, wow, I wonder how reliable this is. And then when we went up there last time and the P3 was off the floor, I was like, well, I guess that answers that because that crane has got to be the most complicated mechanism ever put in a pinball machine. Super complicated and tough it to just repair. Does so it's much. tough to repair. Yeah. So for, but from what I've seen, uh, you know, and when we went to, so at the time, uh, Rob Anthony was, was distributing P3. And when it first came out or early on, like he came and he did a demonstration where he showed us how to swap a play field module and, you know, how the flipper rebuild works, which is hilarious. Cause that it just, dope. yeah, it just pulls out as like a big cartridge and then you rebuild it on your bench and then you just pop it back in, plug the plugs in and it works. And, you know, he's like, conceivably, if you operate this thing, you know, you could just carry a whole new set of flippers with you, pop it in, pop it out, get on with your life and uh, take, you know, take it back to your shop and rebuild it. So I know that they that they built the, at least the early version with operation in mind. But you have to wonder as time went on and, you know, it gets more specialized. Like, obviously, Weird Al is not going to swap out like uh Lexi did because there's just far more to the Weird Al module uh, than there was to the Lexi module, you know, and and Heist doesn't swap out like Lexi did because there's far more to the Heist module. So I wonder how much the swappable thing will come into it. Like I said, I think that if I get Weird Al, you know, even if I do get Heist, the game will spend the vast majority of the time as Weird Al because it's not just, you know, pull the cartridge out, blow on the other cartridge and stick it in. <laughs> right, right. Uh, it's like, you know, it's an undertaking. And then you've got to store basically a third of a pinball play field somewhere. So I don't know if, if the swappableness means as much to me as it could mean or the, the quick changeable art or any of that pull crap. Uh, I just am excited because it's Al and I'm excited because I do like pinball platforms i think the jjp platform is amazing and i'm really looking forward to seeing what the p3 platform is me all too about. i think this is finally going to get them on the map they needed a theme 
and they chose the right theme. And I'm excited to hear Denise's music too. I didn't even know he was doing the music for that. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's, it'll be interesting to see how he incorporates that along with the tracks, but it, it, it looks good. I mean, the artwork, I don't hear anybody complain about the artwork either. People are really happy with it because it's got that zany museum of what is it? A museum of hilarity, right? Museum of yeah, natural, natural hilarity. It's great. It's so good. I wonder how they suckered Denise away from uh spooky. I thought he was kind of thick as thieves yeah, or spooky, I but, know. uh, I don't know. They probably just said, Hey man, you want to work on Weird Al? And he's like, yeah. Oh, he loves Weird Al. <laughs> yeah. It'll be good. Yeah. Um, if you've ever seen the Weird Al, short-lived Weird Al cartoon show, um, the, the artwork kind of reminds me of the animation of that, the same style of right. art. Yeah. So they really, really held true to, to uh, Weird Al's legacy. Yeah, it's, I'm excited. I'm glad you're excited, Dan. Um, can't wait either way. I'll be either coming up to Sacramento or going to press start to play it because I think it's going to be fun to play. Well, if I get one, it'll be my first new inbox. Nice. And while I know that the unboxing party doesn't matter to a lot of people, I will invite anybody who wants to get involved in it over to be involved. Well, you'll in need it. 10 people anyway to carry that damn thing. <laughs> Cause it's so heavy. Well, <laughs> Ten people are one Alex. I have a JJP Pirates. Okay. I'm ready for it. Yeah, good point. He only moved old EM bingos a while ago. He's okay. ready. Those yeah, I heard those are the heaviest. Yeah. Dude, they were yeah. insanity. Yeah, it sucked. Our, our, our free bingo, our free bingo score. I think we picked that up. There was some sort of giant fire in the area, so we're breathing thick-ass smoke, carrying, you know, 400-pound pinball <laughs> machines. Oh, gosh. Dumbest thing we've ever done. <laughs> that's not true. I get two cool wall hangs out of it. And that's what we got, and two planters that just exploded. <laughs> and I have one back last still. <laughs> wow. Wow. It's always but funny. Yeah, so the, we'll, the get, we'll get Spencer we out here from... From the from the Great White North, and we'll get you out here from Reno, and Brian will Brian will probably come over because he lives ten miles away. That's a long. Uh, I know, man. It's a long schlep, and we'll have we'll have oh, a good old time. Oh, it sounds really exciting. Can't yeah, wait. <laughs> Me too. Neither. So, it's it's this is a weird news item. I mean, it's kind of expected, and it's really good. Um, Stern announced this week that they're going to put a delay on their next title that they're not going to release uh, another game until end of August. Well, so they announced they, they're changing their business model. Okay, I didn't get that. I just got their so they're, they're not going to do as many games. They're going to go to two, two cornerstone a year. Two okay. cornerstone games a year. For now. For now, yeah. For the well, time yeah. being. And this will allow them to catch up on their back orders, I think is the idea. Yeah. It, so it, Venom it, has been delayed. Yeah. So, and you know what the neat thing so far that I've seen, because I've kind of kept up on this a little bit, is I've seen no negative feedback on their decision. Everybody, pretty much universal, was like, yeah, that's no, you know, we, we want new games, but can you get all the back get orders? All the back I mean, orders, if you think right. about it, they've got back orders from games that first came out over four years ago. You know, Deadpool back orders are insane. They don't um, have back orders from the initial release of Deadpool, though. No, no. They just have we, back orders from people who ordered Deadpool three right, years ago. They just want the, the game. Guardians of the Galaxy. There's still dudes waiting for their Mandalorians. There's still guys waiting for Mandalorians. There's, there's, there's guys still dudes waiting, waiting for, for Godzilla. Godzilla. Yeah, exactly. 
Yeah, House of Horrors over a year. That's all after way- you and uh, Sparks, right? Say that again. <laughs> <laughs> that was just a, that was an off color joke. <laughs> Spencer, I've seen a lot of people whining and complaining about it. I've seen people who don't. But I say I take it like this: it's pinball. Someone's got to be pissed about something, or it's not pinball. <laughs> right. Well, there you go. Yeah, I, I've seen no. I haven't really been keeping close eye, but so far, all the feedback I've gotten from people is everybody's been, yeah, man, just let's get, get those me my game. Bill. That's what they're saying. Get me my game that I yeah, ordered. Yeah, pretty much. You know, I mean, I can't believe people are still take on it. Guardians. You know, that that game's five yeah. years old. And people are still like, if you're gonna make it, I'll take one. You know, it's like, okay, cool. You know, here's my take on it. Maybe this is the hot take, but it's like. It's great for people who want titles and it's bad for speculators. So I'm in favor of it. There you right? go. All, yeah. all we're doing is stoking the flames of what's the next game. What's the next game. What's the next game. What's the next game. You know, I want to buy it. There's not enough supply out there. So people get desperate for it. And that's where the, the scalpers can jump in, buy up as much as they can buy up and then turn around and sell it to the people who really want it. Um, I'm in favor of anything. I think that that what was it? Three, four games a year. Like they never gave a game a chance to breathe. Ninja Turtles came out and was just finding its footing. And then whatever came out next came out. And then that game was just finding its footing. Whatever came out next came out. You know, Godzilla came out. It was, it's a, it's a big hit. Everybody loves it. Everyone's waiting to get it. And they're already like, okay, now we're shoving rush into the channel. Right. You Give know. it some time breathing room. Right. Give that game a chance to be successful. And then, you know, if you bring out a game and it's sort of bombs and it's not doing as well as you thought it would do, that's where you sneak in with a vault. You know, you're like, okay, well, this game's not doing super well. Uh, Maybe we're going to do some more Ghostbusters. You know, if Rush wasn't a big hit or if Led Zeppelin wasn't a big hit. okay, we'll do another run of Iron Man, you know. Maybe we'll do that, you know, long-awaited re-release of Tron that everybody's like jonesing for. But yeah, just, you know, Stern has just had this thing where they've been running at such a breakneck pace. And I think, I think that it really, I think that they're figuring out that again, you know, you can't keep feeding the speculators. Eventually it's going to cause your market to collapse. You've got to get the people who really want the games, what they want. Right. You know, if you can't get something and you want it, eventually you just go fuck it and you move on. Or you move on to another company. That has them. Or you move on to another or hobby. Another hobby, yeah. You know, the people who are spending money on pinball, I mean, how many different things can you get lured away with? You know, we've had plenty of pinball people who have been like, ah, eh, fuck pinball, I'm going to buy a Porsche. Right. You know, yeah. I sold all my pinballs and put in a swimming pool. You know, it's just, you know, guys, guys move on. You know, we don't, you know, some guys will marry something, they'll be into it forever as long as, you know, they get, they get what they need. Some guys don't get what they need and they just move along. He's probably saying they get married to a hobby. It's like you know what you just described as marriage. You got it. <laughs> yeah, That's a, that was completely intentional. <laughs> you know, somebody somebody did put up a poll on Facebook about a uh, Toy, <laughs> Toy Story being fifteen k and uh, well, Toy Story L or Toy Story CE, CE will be fifteen k. Yeah, CEs will be fifteen k, and of course, the Weird Al, you know, LE or whatever, going to be you know thirteen and change. And it's like, uh, um, what are your thoughts on this? And I posted, huh, or what do you, what do you think about this? I'm like, what do I think? I think fuck these guys. I'll keep my old games, you know? Um, 
I, you know, I, as much as I love Weird Al, man, that's way out of my price range. I'm going to have to keep flying out to California just to play yours, Dan. Well, right. Um, but when the, the, here's the deal, though, right? When the entry level is $11,000. Yeah. It's just one of those things where it's like, with in the case of Weird Al, you get kind of screwed because you have to pay for the platform. Unless you already have it. It's like, you know, your PlayStation 5 games are 50 bucks a piece, which sounds great, but buying your PlayStation 5 is going to cost you $500, $600. You know, while that's nothing in a pinball world, that's a lot for a game console. But once you own the platform, the games themselves are are, are cheaper. You know, and in the case of P3, it's still like 3000 bucks a game. Right. But in a world of $7,000 Stern Pros, you know, to somebody who who just moves through games real fast, maybe that makes sense. I don't think, I mean, I don't want to buy a P3. Honestly, I want to buy Weird Al. Uh, I wish it was cheaper. Um, but I think that, you know, in the case of, of the cost of games, we're having our limits tested by two things. Number one, it's a money hobby. People have money. Number two, again, and I keep I keep harping on this, we got a bunch of fucking scalpers in this hobby. Yeah, we do. And they're buying things up and you know, they're 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 creating the they're creating the sense of urgency and they're doing a great job of that, you know. You know, led by Captain K himself. I don't care what anybody says. Right. You know, yeah. and what it comes down to is just like I hope that Stern's putting the brakes on and saying, we're going to make games longer and we're going to catch up on our backstock. So everyone who wants a game can buy it at Stern pricing, which still isn't a good deal because <laughs> it's, uh, it's gone up significantly and there's no more, there's no more distributor discounts. Um, but it sure beats buying it at, you know, scalper number one pricing. Agreed. Yep. You know, and, and even if it, you know, even if it was a matter of just like, hey, I really want this, you know, there aren't very many people in this hobby who are willing just if Joe willing just to say, you know what? No, I'm not going to pay your price. I'm just going to walk away and I'm not going to get what I want. Because most of these guys, they've worked hard their whole lives. They have plenty of money. They don't have to say no. Worst case scenario, they shrug their shoulders and say, that's life in the big city. Here's your extra $2,000. Give me my LE. Right, right, and even distributors now are 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 charging more than SRP. I love that Zach Mini, you know, puts his price list online because it just lets you see. Oh wow, this guy's a distributor, and he wants sixteen thousand dollars for this whatever it is premium. That feels kind of shady. Aren't you supposed to be the guy selling it at cost? And you know, they're like, hey, you know what? You know, fuck the scalpers. I want to make my money. Well, you know, and I'm just like, oh, what an attitude to have, you know, it's just like, oh, right. You know? And with the supply chain, they have to make up for the difference of not selling as many games. So they have to do that. Right. You, know, you, you can't blame them. Um, no. Oh, know, I can. I can blame them. You can blame them. But, you know, <laughs> again, it's MSRP. That's not it's not a set price with like a Apple phone or a PS5 or anything like that. It's MSRP is suggested is just and I hate using it because it always. It's just like a, it's just like a car, you know, it's MSRP and a lot of places charge more for them. And that's just all there is to it. Anyhow. Yeah. It, it, this is a good thing. And I think it'll go hopefully a, a measure of a way towards setting things right. And uh, I don't think we're ever going to see prices go down, no. but hopefully it'll, it'll keep things closer to closer to SRP. And uh, 
and it'll let people get the games that they want. And so I think yeah, and the thing. other good thing too uh, behind it is they can focus on polishing the code for fewer games. So they don't have to have, oh, this one's coming on. This one's coming on. This They can focus. And, and right. Stern is really doing a good job on that, on updating code yep. in a very short amount of time. I don't feel like code's been as big of a problem. I think that what we look at is like the dark days of code were driven by a couple things. I mean, first of all, they had a big shakeup in releases. So like, I think that they had to go, they, they went out early with Batman. They went out early with Aerosmith. They went out early with Guardians. And those games all released like with super naked code and, you know, rest in peace uh, to Lyman. But Lyman loved to release games with super basic code sets mm-hmm. uh, and then, you know, do a couple updates and, and really bring it to where they were supposed to be. So I think that those problems have in a lot of ways alleviated themselves. You know, I never really thought that Dwight's games felt like they had, you know, maybe people didn't like the code, but it was that's there. true. Yeah, the dude, whoever the dude is who does, uh, I always forget his name, but the dude who does Elwin's code, like those games, you know, like I play an early version of Iron Maiden compared to the version now. Is it better now? Yes. Was it bad then? No, no, no. It, it felt great. So I think that Stern's got the code problem, Like, but that's a great point. You know, having a little bit longer between releases means a little bit longer development right. cycle means smoother gameplay, better code, you know, more reliability. Maybe they slow the process down and they catch some of these stupid errors once they get through the backs through the backlog. So I mean, you know, but I don't want it to turn into, you know, a situation where, you know, Stern's just like, well, now we're going slow, so it takes us forever to get games out, you know. Yeah, they're not gonna do that. You know, I hope not. But uh as long as they fulfill the orders of it, like I said, Ted has been waiting for, I don't know, almost two years now getting an Elvira. Yeah. Now that they've made that announcement, he feels a little more confident that he's going to get it eventually. So instead of next Christmas or whatever, like they said. So. So wise ass question here with only three game releases, does that mean only six or nine price increases a year? Two game releases. Good point. Yeah. Like, you know, are they going to keep, you know, is it going to go up five or a thousand dollars now every single time between games? It's not every time. It's pretty much every year. Yeah. And well, and eventually they're going to hit that price ceiling where the games aren't going to sell. They haven't hit it yet, but it's going to it's going to come. It's they going have to, to be. They have to be close to there. At seven thousand bucks for a pro, it's a lot of money. It's a sh- sorry. That's a ton, ton of money. That's a lot of money. No, we we swear on that show. It's, it's fine. <laughs> oh yeah, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna get through an episode and not use the f bomb one of these days. I just don't know when. So good job, Spencer. We believe in you. I know. I uh, thank you guys. He's gonna get through. I, I, I think that's yeah. gonna about wrap it up. So yeah, hey, hey, Brian, it was really hey, good to have uh, you on the show this time. It was really yeah, nice man, having you so here. Good to have Brian back. Last Bye. time was just it just didn't work out. It I had other things already. going on. It was yeah. Um, it was it, it was a rough week. Yeah, January was a rough yeah. month for me. I'm still struggling, but it wasn't right. a good one. Understandable, but it's great right. to have you on. Thank you. Yep, it's good to have you back, man. Someday we'll get him his own recording setup. Yeah, and then he can struggle with microphones like me. Well, I'm just gonna mm. we'll just put it out there and let the <laughs> the saw go, and I'll just yell at it while I'm <laughs> It'll be when I'm working on a game. It's like, oh, God <laughs> damn it. Son of a bitch. I found some other stupid yeah. problem. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Who wants to start the shout outs? I will. 
Okay. Are so you supposed to finish shout the shout outs? I got shout outs. I got a list. It's going to go quick though. Okay. To Four somebody who's been a, a longtime friend and supporter of the show and supporter of all things pinball. And uh, he goes uh, by the moniker Pismo Arcade on Pinside, even though he no longer resides in Pismo Beach. He's a resident of uh, the great state of Utah. And that's uh, Tony Agrusa. So shout out to Tony just for being a righteous dude. And uh, shout out to Greg Sacco, who I struggled with to remember his name last episode. Sorry about that. That's me because I'm getting old and senile. Um, but a great fan of the show and a great dude. Uh, fun to play pinball with and just hang out and talk with. Big car guy, too. Um, uh, I, this is going to be – this is an interesting one. I want to shout out to – and I'm trying not to butcher his last name – to Pavel – Dorokovsky. He's from Kiev in the Ukraine, and he posted on Facebook today on Pinball Enthusiast. Um, he's been doing a, he's got a few games, and he's been doing a restoration on a Swords of Fury, and he showed before pictures where it was covered like half an inch of dirt, and he showed after pictures where it's just beautiful. He's still not 100% done, and all the guy wanted to do today was just share his progress on his game because he doesn't know if he's ever going to get to finish it. So um, if you're listening to this, Pavel, man, heart goes out to you. You stay safe, brother, and uh, let your friends and neighbors know that people around the world are pulling for you and thinking about you. So, Pavel, if you're listening in the Ukraine, and to all Russian, because we have several Russian listeners, um, you guys do the same, man. Stay safe and uh, keep playing pinball and keep uh, keep a good thought for your neighbors. Um and shout out to Dan Costa, who's a good dude and a fan of the show. Um, and of course, the obligatory MOF and Practical Steve shout outs. Oh, and I got I got an email uh, from a listener we gave him a shout out to a while back. I won't mention his name. We've already mentioned it before. But we gave him a shout out a few episodes ago. He was having a really bad week, man. And the work was just being a nightmare. And that made his day. And he emailed just to say, hey, thank you for the shout out, man. That totally made my week. So people are listening. What we do matters. And uh, be a good neighbor. Be a good friend, man. So that's my shout outs. I have a shout out for Jim Martin for bringing back pinball tournaments at Press Start. Thank you, Jim, for all your hard work, getting everything organized and also managing the arcade as well. Making sure everything's working perfectly when we have uh, tournament nights and uh, also running it. And we're obviously happy to help you out with that. But bringing it back is awesome. And another shout out to uh, Ted McGinty for always having us over and inviting the whole pinball community over at his house, hanging out there. It's always fun and it's wonderful that uh, he always includes us. So thanks, Ted. And uh, also had a great time going in disc with you. So, um, of course, shout out to my wife and my kids for letting me uh, do this crazy hobby and uh, spending so much time with my friends playing pinball and uh, on the podcast. But uh, anyway, those are my shout outs. Nice. All right. Well, I'm going to go ahead and throw out my usual shout out to the whole CCPL family. You guys are great. It's always super fun to play pinball with you. Looking forward to finishing out this season and uh, starting the next. Uh, big, big shout out to uh, Mike G, to George, to other Dan, to my bro, Brian, for just being around and helping out with these pinball projects that we're always working on. And, uh, you know, shout outs to you guys, uh, to, to Spencer and to Mark, uh, the whole Reno crew really, uh, 
Jason and all his buddies and, and you for, for dragging us up there, for giving us the invite and me for dragging Spencer up there. That's right. I gave myself a shout out. I'm cool. Um, you that, was, that was a super, that was a super good time. And uh, I, I really, really, uh, I really, really enjoyed it. You know, having a little pin venture. Shout out to Henry for having us all over. I guess I can go with the CCPL thing. And another shout out to Brian. Just, you know, we're here at his house tonight, you know, kicking it, eating pizza, recording the podcast with you guys, petting the dogs. And I'm about to go out and play my uh, Indy 500. Oh, how cool. I'm jealous. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) Shout out to Brian for not doing ribs. What a jerk. Eh, Just shout out to the normal people. Everyone who listens, people give me work. Damn, quit it with my dumb jokes. It's pretty, it's pretty short list. Right on. I guess that's it, guys. So let's wrap it up because we're at two and a half hours. Take us home, Spencer. Play pinball. Keep Keep America America strong. strong.